This is Killstreak episode 11. We've made it this far and we're excited to talk about the movie we're going to talk about today. But first, I am Eric Goslin, and joining me, as always, the man who invented the word simp, Michael Price. What word did I invent? Simp, you know, like simp? simping. Uh, yeah, yeah, I... Uh... I can do that again. I don't know. No, you don't have to do it again. Tell me what simp means. Uh, simping means to worship a woman online. Oh, Jesus. Like, I am simping for this this girl on Twitter or whatever. Okay. Only fans. Yeah, I mean, this is a fun, like, I think I like how this is. You've been hoisted by your own petard uh, since... <laughs> <laughs> Since I know what it is and you don't, o- only I mean, you, I think you're the only person I know who knows what this word means. It's very, it's very much in I your s- wheelhouse. I've seen it online. I looked up what it meant. I heard some kids saying it at school. I don't. Know. I heard some kids saying it. I hang out with some pretty cool people, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess you don't actually know them because they wouldn't allow you to hang out with us. But you know, I learned some lingo along the way, and I'm just showing it off. I'm sorry. All right. Cool. Well, yeah, I invented that word that I don't know the definition of. Um, <laughs> but I am good. I am your co-host as always. And, as uh, always and this is very exciting i'm very excited this is uh this is such a big franchise this is this is mm-hmm. new this is new stuff for us but i mean obviously like we're gonna have to cover all the big ones i'm i'm excited to be here now though yeah this is one of the big three we're going to be talking about friday the 13th in all of the friday the 13th movies i think how many are there 11 yeah, I think that there are 11. I know, I mean, we don't have to hide the inside baseball from the listeners. I, neither of us has decided exactly how we want to handle Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, my gut is to leave it until we do mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. and then and then do it. Do you, but, do you want to hear my do you want to hear my new pitch right now? Yeah. I was thinking about this today. And I think we could do a short episode uh, where we talk a little bit about Freddy versus Jason. We try to do it through the lens of Jason Voorhees, and then in that episode, oh. in that episode, we can also talk a little bit about, and obviously very briefly because it almost has nothing to do with this movie franchise, but the Friday the Thirteenth TV series. Oh um, shit! Does that mean I have to watch that? No, I don't think I've ever seen it. <laughs> I saw. I've seen a lot of it when I was younger. You don't have to watch it. I can, in fact, we. I can tell you about it, and it can be like a weird, really fun, like yeah. you know, one of those podcasts where one person knows the thing and the other one has never seen it before. Well, you know, for the sake of of you know the podcast, the podcast, I'll track down the pilot episode, and we can at least talk about that. Okay, uh, but I know that it's an anthology series that doesn't really have anything to do. Well, it's about- not even really; it, it has nothing to do with Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, okay, yeah, um, which is pretty funny. 
But that was a question that I got online. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody asked me, "How are we going to deal with like the TV spinoffs?" Mm-hmm. And I think in just that way, where we're not going to, you know, for the sake of one episode, we're not going to watch five seasons of Scream, sure, or whatever. But you know, we'll check it. We'll check in with it and yeah. give our opinions. Yeah. This. So my pitch is like we consider this episode to be Friday the Thirteenth Errata. Right. It's like. All of the things that aren't actually like canon movies, but uh-huh. but like apply to the series because it's such a big series that there are it touches a bunch of stuff. I actually really want to play the Friday the Thirteenth video game, which I never have. The uh, the new one or the Nintendo one? <laughs> the one with <laughs> the one with purple Jason is that? Yeah, I have a not a print exactly, but uh, a poster of Jason from that. Really. I was obsessed with that video game, uh, and it took me until I was an adult to realize that that game is terrible. I've heard it's but awful. I've never played it. It's so hard, but there was there's something like really mysterious about it that I was like really obsessed with when I was a kid, and I played it a lot. I never beat it. It's fucking impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I was referring to the new one. Um, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've never played that either. We should check that out too. We'll we'll. Uh, in that special episode, hey, maybe we can pepper them through. Who knows? This yeah. is all – I shouldn't be throwing these ideas out there because if they don't come to fruition, you guys are going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. You're going to be after our heads. Yeah. You're not going to be simping us like you were. <laughs> you guys, we need more people signing up for Eric's OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need, I, we need simps. We need simps. <laughs> Calling all simps. <laughs> <laughs> that was we talked about that right that since you know when we decide we really want to monetize this podcast instead of having a patreon we should just have an only fans an only fans yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh i'm into it yeah i'm i'm sh- it'll be really nice if one of our employers or future employers googles our names say oh they have a podcast oh it's on only fans great <laughs> yeah especially i'm literally like applying for a job with the state democratic party right now that could, now then you should not do that. Couldn't possibly go wrong. Uh, uh, so Friday the 13th, it's one of the big three franchises in my book. Mm-hmm. The, those being Halloween nightmare on Elm street. And of course, Friday the 13th, yep. you know, other arguments can be made for other series, but these are the ones that like shaped yeah. horror movies in the eighties. Yeah. I think in terms of cultural impact, this is, uh, you know, to borrow, a phrase from, you know, Japanese gaming. This is these are S tier. Um, yeah, and 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 that doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. Uh, but no, just no. like again, the footprint that these these left. I think I think nothing. I I don't think you really could make an argument for anything else. I'm curious to hear if anybody else has something they would propose. But it, I, it's yeah. hard, hard pressed. Like ghoulies apologists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get a lot of like uh, MFAs writing in with their like, like a five, <laughs> a five page screed on why uh, it's all it's really, you know, like ghoulies. Yeah. God damn it. I couldn't come up with another. Couldn't think of another one. <laughs> critters. I just said ghoulies I'll just, again. just say critters. <laughs> critters. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, you know, I'd make the argument that Critters is more of a sci-fi franchise, but you know. no, that's true. Yeah, 
Well, hey, we'll get to it. I'm sure we'll get to yeah. it. Um, I think this is always a good place for us to start. What is your, what do you recall your introduction to Friday the 13th being like? Uh, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to bring it up no matter what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the I was terrified of horror movies when I was a kid. And even like scary music would send me running out of the room. Huh. Even in non-scary movies. Um, and I really distinctly remember, I don't know. I think I was watching... My dad and I weren't watching Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. I always do that. Uh, I really like slur <laughs> my... I have a problem with like the 13th. Anyway, um, I don't think we were watching it, but it was on maybe on like USA or mm-hmm. HBO or something. Yeah. And it was the decapitation scene. Okay. From the first... Yeah. And from this one. Yeah. From this one. And... Uh, it was happening, and my dad was like, "Oh, look at that! Spaghetti's going everywhere!" <laughs> he liked, and I was like, "Fucking horrified!" Mm-hmm. It like it scarred me. Um, and to me, that decapitation was like the most extreme thing you could see on film. Okay, at the time, and so um, I avoided it. I was very afraid of these movies, and I was afraid of specifically. A babysitter's son showed me a episode of a nightmare on Elm street TV show. Okay. That scared the fuck out of me too. <laughs> and so I was just like, no, I'm done. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I revisited this movie when I was a teenager and finally into horror movies. Yeah. And this was kind of the one that broke my fear of horror movies. I guess sure. I was younger than a teenager, but mm-hmm. around that time. Uh, what about yourself? Um, you know, it's hard for me to remember all the way back to my very first exposure to Friday the 13th, because I think it's just so, it's everywhere. Uh Um, so instead of trying to dig, dig, dig for like, when's the first time I ever saw a Friday the 13th movie, I think I have a sort of general memory of, you know, my interaction with these movies as a franchise is, you mentioned USA, I think is somewhere where, yeah, especially around Halloween, there's a great chance you could find this entire series or the bulk of the series just running in a marathon. Yeah. And I think we'll unpack this more as we talk about the whole series. But, like, this is, Friday 13th as a whole, it has its its strengths and weaknesses. And I think one of its strengths is it's the kind of thing that you could just put, you could put that on a Friday the 13th marathon and all of a sudden you've burned seven hours and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're on, you know, your fourth movie. Um, Yeah. And so that's kind of how I consumed these. And I think if I'm not mistaken that I actually didn't watch the first one, at least in its entirety. Until later on, until I was pretty familiar with, you know, the franchise. Oh, interesting. Uh, for me, this was the first movie is the one I've seen the most. Interesting. Um, okay. Because I think I just I bought it on VHS mm-hmm. <clears throat> at like a video store sale, and I just had it. Okay. Uh, and so I would watch this one more than the others. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, um. And bringing up, you brought up the. Uh, 
marathons, I think that's how I mostly watched the rest of the movies mm-hmm. too. To the point where like I was trying to remember if there was any of these movies that I hadn't seen. Yeah. And I'm not sure because after a certain point, they all sort of sort of blur together. Yeah. And uh, like a few years ago, uh, maybe like 10 years ago, I had made a concerted effort to like start watching these in order. Sure. And I, I, I don't, I think I got through like part five or six. Um, I want, I want to, uh, uh, I actually do think the first one I saw in its entirety was Jason. Uh, no, uh, Jason goes to hell. Yeah, I mean, that was an early one for me, for sure, just because it was, when we were young, a new movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of moments in these movies that all blur together for me because, um, yeah, just because of, like, just catching them on TV mm-hmm. bits and pieces at a time. Uh, so I'm really excited to go through each one and yeah. like, really pay attention. Yeah, I mean, to, to to what you were talking about before, like, is there anything, is there one that I haven't seen? And I don't think there's a, there's not a, like an easy answer to that question for me, because I think I've certainly sat in front of a TV that was playing every single one. Um, yeah. But I bet you there are at least large portions of some of the, especially in the middle uh, some yes. of those that uh, I maybe zoned out or just wasn't paying attention to for who knows how long. Maybe I missed half the movie because um, it's they're that kind of movie for me. That's how I kind of interact with them. And they're not yeah exactly. And they're not the kind of movie that like it's the kind of movie you get high and watch around <laughs> yeah. Halloween. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, they're and that's uh, to tie it back to another franchise that i love halloween Mm -hmm. and i've seen all of those movies multiple times um friday friday the 13th for me is the one that's like it's a little more i don't want to say lighthearted, but it's a little more campy Mm -hmm. and and goofy yeah uh and it it does uh you're able to not fully pay attention to them all totally um yeah and i think you're really onto something there it's not lighthearted in the sense that it's like fun um it can be at times um yeah it's more just like this series never asks you to take it seriously yes and the funny except for maybe in this first movie right this this first movie is the one that comes the closest Mm -hmm. and i this these were my i wrote this down in my notes uh maybe about three quarters the way through this movie um and I, this is, you know, certainly I'm not the first person who's uh, acknowledged this, but I think what's very interesting about this series and this movie in particular versus something like a, the like you could a total counterpoint to this would be Halloween. It's this first mm-hmm. movie. One is it, it's not the best movie in the franchise. Yeah, um, and. But also, even though it's the one that that launched this franchise into you know popularity and like spawned so many sequels, it's also not remotely. It doesn't really resemble like a quintessential Friday the Thirteenth movie. No, yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing. In even part two, mm-hmm. like the 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 most iconic thing about Friday the Thirteenth is his mask. He yeah. doesn't even get his mask in, until 
part three. Right. Yeah, it's actually part three, right? Yeah, it is part three. And I think that's a really funny, like, it's it's like almost a bullet pointed where you see it, it the, this franchise develops almost like a like a genre would develop or a movement, you know, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, if you trace the history of it, it's like, yeah, it starts with some of the elements that would go on to define a Friday the 13th movie, but some of them are missing. And then yeah. in the second one, we're introduced to, you know, an adult Jason as a villain. And in the third one, we're introduced to the hockey mask and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these things. Um, and it's funny, I think we'll get into this later on, but also I think the franchise there, people have certain preconceptions about, I want to say that the way that like sexuality plays into kind of like the, if the movie has some sort of weird, almost puritanical moral code, uh-huh. um, you know, a lot of people like to talk about the idea of punishing the sexually active teenagers and that sort of stuff. And, and I, I'll just say right up front that watching this movie, I, I, I think that's not the case for this film. Yeah, um, I don't think so either. I don't feel it. I, now, I'm curious to kind of track that as we go through the future ones, but I think that old idea that, like, oh, yeah, like, only the virgin survives, it's like, I think it's coincidence here. And, you know, certainly... <laughs> the writer of this movie is on record many times confirming that saying like, no, I mean, it's just, it's an issue of convenience. She's, she survives to the end because she's the only one who's not distracted by going in doing something else, you know, and it's not really a matter of her not having sex. And it's never even, it's never implied that she doesn't have sex in her life. (laughs) Right. I mean, like there even seems to be some sort of, weird tension between her and Steve, mm-hmm. the, the camp owner. Yeah. And then she plays strip poker with everybody and yeah. she's not like a shrinking Daisy about right. it. She's like fine to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, did you, which did you see Halloween first or did you see Friday 13th first? Um, I definitely saw an early, like a, I should say a later episode of Friday the 13th first, like, yeah. I, I think that Halloween, like the order in which I would have seen these movies goes like middle of the franchise, Friday the 13th, then Halloween, then first Friday the 13th. Yeah, I think the same for me. And I'm glad that I did it in that order, mm-hmm. um, especially with this first movie, because, I mean, it's no secret. These movies are a complete ripoff of Halloween. Yeah. Like, explicitly so they halloween was so successful mm-hmm. that they're like all right let's let's start let's do that yeah uh let me throw something it, out there at you and i want to know what you think about this so i i agree with that and it's hard to disprove that because you know i don't think sean cunningham so in case anybody doesn't know friday the 13th directed by sean cunningham written by victor miller um and cunningham was a guy who did a ton of cheap stuff uh, and then, uh, you know, he had done some softcore. Um, his for his first foray into horror was he worked with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left. Um, oh, okay, right, which is another movie, also, um, you know that that I think you can see sort of the blueprints of of some of the stuff that really works in the Friday the Thirteenth franchise or was popular about it. 
Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so like you said, Halloween, obviously something that, that, that Miller and Cunningham both admit to wanting to follow the success of. But this was my, th- my thought watching this movie. I was sitting there and I was going, yeah, there are definitely like elements that this pulls from Halloween. And, but what this movie reminded me of more than anything else was Giallo. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm curious if you've thought about that at all or if you have a response to that. Um, I didn't think about that at all. Um, Let me so and, and that's go ahead. I mean, do you, should I extrapolate a little bit more on what I'm thinking, or do you want to? No, I. I mean, I think I understand what mm-hmm. you're saying. Because uh, to me, Giallo is really um, so much about like somebody trying to solve a mystery or a mm-hmm. crime. Yeah, and that's that's not really an element here because uh, the people in it aren't really even aware that they're in mm-hmm. you know, a situation until. You know, shit starts hitting the fan. Sure. Um, but uh, maybe, you know, go ahead and clarify further. I mean, I think you're right that, you know, yeah, there's no one uh, overtly trying to solve a mystery because pretty much all of the victims in this film are unsuspecting. Mm-hmm. But I would say that there's this sort of process of the one by one elimination of, yeah, okay. of each victim, which is really sort of reminded me of the way, you know, especially like most of my jail exposure is by way of Argento. I've seen sure. odd stuff here and there, but, um, you know, especially kind of more of his straight giallo, less supernatural stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you'll find that POV use that like this movie and Halloween gets so much credit for, you know, popularizing. But yeah, but like I think you can go back further and you can find it in those movies, and but yeah, I mean, for me the thing that really like struck the chord was just I feel like whenever I think about a Giallo movie, there's so many like the the you you get like a scene where two people are talking right or uh, they're together and then one of them leaves and goes off on their own and all of a sudden the music goes tense and you realize that someone's following them. And then, yes. and then they're eliminated in a in a bloody way, and that and that's sort of how the whole plot progresses. Is that one by one, people keep getting knocked off by what is yeah, that, what is that, frequently an unidentified killer. You know, that's a great point, and uh, I had never really thought about it in those terms. Um, but I think you do have there is something to be said about you know about that, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure Argento was probably a stylistic influence on this movie yeah. in addition to Halloween um cuz uh oh I lost my train of thought but it's fine um uh, oh oh yes I remember uh, because this movie actually I think has a lot of craft involved yeah uh even though like you know some of the, we'll find this out for sure in my memory some of the later sequels kind of lack a quality of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This one, it, they're going for it. They're actually making a good movie. Yeah, like they're trying to make the acting isn't particularly terrible. The the it's shot well. Mm-hmm. Um, the production value, even though it's a low budget movie, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
and so I think there there is a level of sophistication with this movie that doesn't maybe like I said we'll find out doesn't necessarily apply to the later movies uh, which could I could see like a, a Sean Cunningham he's the one who directed this one right yeah yeah I could see a Sean Cunningham like you know, on his vision board having Argento pinned there along with sure. like, Halloween and you know what I mean yeah um, so yeah I mean that's that's a that's a great point. Um, yeah, and I agree with you that this is like a pretty com- I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stop at competent. Uh, I think it's a very competently made movie. Um, uh-huh. I don't think it's super inspired and I don't think like I think that the areas in which it overachieves are probably uh, gore effects. Um, yeah, and then. Otherwise, just, I mean, obviously the score we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah, yeah, the score for sure. But the funny thing about the score is I think uh, the score is memorable. And it, it's the score is like, it it kind of has its one like million dollar idea, which is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, do you want to talk about the score now? Should we? No, no. yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, or we can talk about I was going to do later. an impression of the... Uh, yeah. So do you know what you it actually? You know what it actually is, right? Like the is real person. No, the it's well, a person. Well, so the syllables are key and ma. So it's oh right, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're run. They're run through like a crazy echo filter. Um, so the guy, um, his name's Manfredini. It's uh, what's his first name? Harry. Harry Manfredini, who's responsible for this score. Um. There's he took inspiration from uh, there's a scene late in the movie where Betsy Palmer is uh, whispering sort of in the voice of her dead son and you know she's yeah. her really creepy like kill, kill her mommy yeah exactly uh, for obvious reasons that struck a chord with him because it's one of I think that's one of the scarier parts of this whole movie and I think it's great um, mm. but so he took those syllables from kill and mommy. And, uh-huh. and he did them himself, and he just ran them through a bunch of effects, and that's kind of what he came out with. Um, and I thought this was actually a really cool tidbit, because part of the reason that he wanted to do that was because for 90% of the movie, we don't know anything really about the killer. And so it was yeah, it was sort of his way of like injecting a little bit of personality into you know, the faceless killer for the first two thirds, the three quarters of the movie. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say about the score is just that I was listening to it pretty intently. I actually, I, I watched this twice in preparation for the podcast. Um, really? Yeah. Um, Yesterday and today or? Yeah. Yeah. I watched it again today. Huh. Um, and, one of the things I noticed about the score is outside of that really great, you know, ki, 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 ma, ma, ma thing that he does. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the score is literally just like psycho fucked. It's jaw. psycho. It's fi- psycho fucked Jaws and had a baby. Yeah. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you go back and listen to it again, it's it's literally just like this, like the high pitched strings are doing a psycho thing, and then there's the big instruments doing Jaws stuff. Um, but it's very, I don't want to call it derivative, yeah. but it's like very familiar. Well, to the, to the extent that when I was watching it this time mm. around, 
because it's been a while since I've seen Psycho too. I was like, did they just use the score from Psycho <laughs> yeah. in this movie? Right. Um, yeah. So it is absolutely derivative of Psycho. I did. I didn't make the the Jaws connection, but that would make sense as well, given like the amount of money Jaws had made at this time. Totally. Yeah. Just a couple years earlier. Um, do you want to talk just a little bit more kind of pre-production info before we jump into the plot? Yes, Daddy. Oh, all right, great. Um, well, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm very honored to be uh, named the official Daddy of this podcast. Yeah, the um, official Daddy of Killstreak, Michael Price. <laughs> um, yeah, so we talked about uh, director Sean Cunningham, writer Victor Miller, and then the cast, uh, the big names, uh, you know, relatively speaking. Um, you have Betsy Palmer playing Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, we have Adrian King uh, in your lead uh, as, help me out here, I'm going through the... Uh, Alice? Yes, Alice, right. Um, and then the other, and her sort of... I think it's hard, like, people like to say that Bill is kind of like, he's like the male lead, but I don't, none of the guys really... Yeah, none of them really pop. Bill does kind of pop the most. He's the most like outwardly heroic, right? And he lasts the longest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess for for lack of a better candidate, we'll say that Bill uh, is sort of the male lead, played by Harry Crosby. Do you know who Harry Crosby is, Eric? Is he uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash's son? No. no, I mean not all three of them, but Steve Crosby's. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's Crosby and Nash's son. They. Uh, oh, what did I say? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. He is, he's, he's the child of Crosby is, and Nash. He is not David Crosby's son. Do David you, Crosby, yeah, yeah. But he is Bing Crosby's son. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And Whoa. I, I couldn't find any real confirmation of this, but um, it is it has been suggested more than once that the casting of Harry Crosby was sort of an attempt to capitalize on the same sort of buzz that Halloween got. Um, oh, sure. From, Cam- having from Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis. Yeah, who also is the, the, the daughter of Hollywood royalty. Yeah, um, Tony Curtis, yeah. Yeah, Tony Curtis and Janet Lee. Oh, right, right, yeah. from Psycho. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, she's got a real horror pedigree. Um, yeah, so then rounding out the rest of the cast of... Uh, so we've got uh, Steve... Uh, is the camp director owner played by Peter Brewer? A um, couple other uh, Brenda, Lori Bartram, Marcy played by Janine Taylor, Annie played by Robbie Morgan. None of these names ring many bells. The one that that does for everybody, obviously, and in really only his second really notable film role is Kevin Bacon, yeah, as, as Jack. Which uh, the first time I watched this. I was not prepared for. I did not know Kevin Bacon was going to be in this movie. Uh, back, oh, really? Back when I was younger, and and I thought that was that was that was fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh, that. totally. Yeah. I think um, I think I knew he was in it, similarly to like Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm mm-hmm. Street. Yeah. Just like, oh, this is like one of his early movies. Right. Uh, crazy. Um. Yeah. What? Did, I wonder. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Do you mm-hmm. know what Depp? Uh, not Depp. Uh, Kevin Bacon's first movie. Yeah, uh, Kevin Bacon's first movie was Animal House. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and so then he did a handful of things in between Animal House and and Friday the 13th, but nothing I think that people remember particularly well now. Yeah. And then kind of tracing his fame, I think two years after this, he did Diner, um, which was a bigger role for him. And then 84 is when Footloose happened. And then, okay. and then he was Kevin That's Bacon. Pretty... Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so that rounds out your cast. And then I think the one other big name that is important to note uh, that who worked on this movie, uh, someone that I know that you are intimately familiar with as a diehard Romero fan, um, is Tom Savini. Yeah. Um, who, this I think was his first big non-Romero movie. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Maniac was... Um... But I think you know that was a that was a small movie. Yeah, it's also it's the same year as this. I don't know which one came out first. Um, mm, yeah, I don't know. But either way, this like so Savini had really made a name for himself with Dawn of the Dead, and he was the guy. He was, I mean, he was honestly the only person involved in making this movie that like they went after. Okay. You know, um, casting was left to uh, a, a couple of folks who, do, who who specialized in like Broadway actors and actresses because they they wanted people who could act but were cheap, basically. Sure. Uh, and I think they largely succeeded in getting that. I think they got a lot of no name actors who are fairly natural and do a pretty good job. Yeah, um, I think so too. With the exception of one who I want to fucking murder every second there on screen, but we can talk about yep. that when we get into I, the plot. I, I think we're in in agreement there. I think I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, Tom Savini was the person that um, I think the Sean Cunningham as uh, director and uh, one of the producers was just like, we we're going to get this guy. Cause, cause the effects in Dawn of the dead were so good that like we mm-hmm. want, this is the kind of thing we want for this movie. Um, and I think it was a wise decision. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so Savini, a huge name for anybody who's not familiar. He's maybe, I mean, he's probably one of the three best known names in, uh, you know, gore effects, prosthetic makeup, special effects in the horror genre. Um, and famously, he was uh, a combat photographer in Vietnam, which right. which is what he credits a lot of his capabilities to. Um, that basically, uh, I watched an interview with him about this movie earlier today, and he basically said that the bar that he held himself to was if his effects didn't make him feel... Uh, uncomfortable in the way that all of the real violence and gore that he saw in Vietnam did, then they weren't working and they had to be better. Um, yeah. Which is fucking dark. And um, yeah. Yeah. And it really like watching his movies, the movies he's done special effects on, it adds another element of like, Ooh, okay. This is like really close to the real thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Hey, I mean, go ahead. I just, I just watched, rewatched, not watched. Did I talk about this on the podcast? Uh, Night ninety, the no. the remake of Night of the Living Dead that he directed. Oh, you, we talked about it very briefly. I don't know. I don't remember if we really got into it at all. Oh, I mean, I don't really need to get into it, mm. other than to say that I think that movie is very underrated, mm. and I really, uh, I loved it when I first saw it. It was my first zombie movie that I'd ever seen. Okay, and then I sort of like tempered that 
as I got cooler, quote unquote cooler, <laughs> uh, and then revisiting it now, like, oh, this movie's fucking awesome. It's yeah. really, you know, not as good as the original, mm-hmm. obviously, but like really solid. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely interested in watching it again. Um, and I'm sure when we cover the dead series one day, we can, that can be one of our offshoot errata podcasts. Yeah. We're talking about. So just a couple more notes I want to talk about before we jump into our recap. Um, some, some funny bits of trivia about the making of this movie. One, you may know this already. Uh, it was basically conceived title first. Um, really? Yeah. Which yeah, because the title has nothing to do with with no, the plot. No, it never does. It's it's it, they. In fact, when when Miller was writing the script, he made Friday the Thirteenth like the dates of these important events to tie it into the title of the movie, because right. there was a discussion that was going on where Sean Cunningham was trying to come up with a concept for a horror movie, and he basically got the title in his head and said, now if I had a movie to sell called Friday the 13th, like I could sell that movie. And they ended up getting somebody to work up a title and they put like a half page ad. I don't know if it was in variety or something like that, but before they ever had a script and they basically just said from the people who brought you last house on the left, the scariest movie you'll ever see something like along those lines, Friday the 13th with the big white block letters breaking through a pane of glass. Yeah. So that was the first thing that ever existed. And then That's crazy. And then they wrote a script. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I thought I thought that was I really funny. That. Yeah. Uh and I, I love that. I think it's really I think it's really suiting too for a movie that like for a franchise that is so much about uh maybe making money and just yeah. <laughs> like turning just like a profit. nakedly about yeah. making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah. So otherwise, um, yeah. Casting, they get all these people together and they manage to find uh, a working boy scout camp and they just shot there in the fall after it closed for the season, which is part of how they were able to make a decent looking movie for a budget of around $550,000. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But they shot the whole thing at a real summer camp. They only built one set, I think. Everything else was, they just used the freestand, the, the standing buildings that they had. And then, yeah, that's that's how we got here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's really all I wanted to touch on before we jumped into it. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I don't think so. Other than you mentioned it was shot in the fall, which makes sense because it seems cold. Yeah, yeah. I, especially when you look at them like swimming and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They look fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's miserable. Um, yeah, it's because I think it was like October. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Well, let's let's take a quick break. We'll hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back and we'll recap the movie. Go. Yep. I did want to mention that uh, all of the the first eight movies you pointed out to me are streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, I wasn't aware of that. I watched, I think the first three movies are streaming on Crackle. Mm. And I watched uh, this on Crackle, which does have commercial breaks, but is free. So I don't yeah. know. If, if you don't have Amazon Prime uh, and you want a free, a free option, mm-hmm. um, check it out on Crackle. Uh, do you know what version you saw? Did you see the 
a, an R-rated cut or a an unrated cut? I believe I watched the R-rated cut because I think the yeah. uncut is listed under a separate, like it's a separate movie, obviously on Amazon, and I saw that as I was flipping through. Okay, because I do, ha- I own the the um, mm-hmm. the unrated cut, and in classic Eric fashion, I. <laughs> Rather than go downstairs and <laughs> pop in a DVD, I mean it's a DVD, not a Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, I just watched it on Crackle. <laughs> um, but I think there's some extended. I think the things that were cut were just like extended violence, like sure. lingering on the mm-hmm. violence more. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I was curious if you had seen which version you had seen to see if my memory was correct. All right, I think Friday this is the original. The- Sorry. Uh, One more thing I wanted to say, too. If you're somebody who still enjoys collecting physical media, there is an eight-movie Blu-ray collection. It's called Friday the 13th, The Ultimate Collection. You can find it on on Target's website for $27. Holy uh, shit. If you want to have the first eight Friday the 13th movies on Blu-ray, which I am seriously considering doing. So. Yeah, I'm considering doing that too, even though they're free on... Yeah. Not free if you have, if you have Amazon Prime. But yeah, that's the kind of dumb thing I would like to buy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so Friday the 13th. Um, this movie is completely in our kill streak comfort zone. It's an 80s slasher movie. Just what a yeah. pleasure. Not just 80s. Also, did did you realize this movie came out 40 years ago last month? Holy shit. Yeah. 40 years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We start at Camp Crystal Lake in, hey, listen up, campers. We're going to be spending a lot of time in Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, This is 1958. There are uh, a bunch of dorky-looking counselors (laughs) singing and playing guitar. Yeah. It's it's funny how I've seen one of my absolute favorite movies of all time is Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. And and I've seen it too many times because now I watch a scene like this and I'm like, this looks like Wet Hot American Summer. Yes. It's exactly the opposite, you know? Yeah. (laughs) No, I I had the same exact thought. Uh, So there's a POV tracking shot through the cabin. It's just like the opening shot of Halloween, Mm -hmm. clearly ripped from the headlines in that regard. Uh, And we get our iconic... the POV stalks through the cabin filled with sleeping campers. Um, and obviously you, there's no kids in this movie. It's the only time we kids. see campers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is something I was, you know, I mean, they come in later, but I don't know. Seeing as a father, seeing these <laughs> poor, innocent children just sleeping peacefully. It, it made me nervous. Did you decide you're never <laughs> going to send your son to camp? Well, probably won't do that with a plague, but <laughs> uh, so we're back to the counselors playing guitar. The woman who's playing guitar is definitely like not even strumming. Oh, yeah. She's holding a C chord <laughs> and you can hear chord changes and she's not strumming in time at all. <laughs> uh, two counselors break off to fool around and they go into some sort of barn storage shed mm-hmm. and man they start to go at it yeah no nudity though not yet yeah 
back to the POV, coming up the stairs, sneaks up on them, and they notice. They start putting their clothes back on and say, we weren't doing anything. And the dude gets stabbed in the stomach. First body count of the series. Mm-hmm. Number one. Goes into slow-mo. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, she starts to run away, but then it goes into slow-mo as she's stabbed. Body count up to two. Freeze frame on her mouth. It cuts to the logo coming from the corner of the screen that breaks through the glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just as you described. Right. Iconic Friday the 13th. And during the break, I was thinking more about this. We talked about how little this title actually has to do with anything in the series. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, have you ever read Chuck Klosterman has a thing in one of his books where he talks about uh, band names and he specifically talks about how if Metallica wasn't didn't end up being one of the greatest metal bands ever, <laughs> they would have the stupidest fucking name. Like, yeah, I heard about that. Right, yeah. and I haven't said, read it, but I've heard that. Yeah, and he said the same thing about the Beatles, which is just like it's a terrible, stupid name that doesn't yeah. make any sense. But it's like they're the Beatles, so no one cares. Um, and that's kind of how I feel. This this reminded me of that a little bit, where it's like people would make a way bigger deal out of this if this wasn't like one of the most famous horror franchises ever. It's yeah, like, it's a nonsense title. It is. Cause Halloween takes place on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So that it, the nightmare so it's on Elm sort of Street like, is a night is about nightmares on Elm Street. on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The last house on the left is the last house on the left. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not about a house it's, in the it, middle of a street. <laughs> yeah. The third house on the right. <laughs> The yellow one. Didn't roll off the tongue quite as well. Yeah. (laughs) Colon, the yellow one. (laughs) (laughs) So then it's Friday the 13th, uh, Friday, June 13th, present day, coming up, guys. Uh, So watch out. (laughs) This is going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I Uh, I did. I had that same thought. I was like, ooh, now. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. There's a, uh, not to like pimp my own shit, but in the first Yeti movie, um, we say like, it cuts to present, like, you know, a Chiron present day, mm-hmm. and then in parentheses, 1984 or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just checked the 13th of, oh no, July. We already went by it. Sorry, it's not coming up. Oh, what an embarrassment. I don't even know what month it is. It's going to be July. Yeah. Uh, June 13th was a Saturday. So, mm. sorry. It's a nice small town. It even has a first national bank. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you know where this was shot? Uh, I think this is New York or New Jersey. I can't remember which one. I'm going to say New York because I feel like all this shit is always just upstate New York. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we see a young woman with a backpack. It's Annie. She's going to camp crystal Lake. She says hi to a dog. There's a funny interaction (laughs) with a dog. She looks at it. And then she looks at its dick. (laughs) Yeah. She looks at his dick. Hi. Hi girl. Oh, sorry. Hi, boy. Right, but she like she like cranes her neck and like takes like a good look. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, what kind of hog is this dog packing? Scoping some some red crayon. <laughs> the lipstick. It's a lipstick. I always forget. It's not a crayon. That makes no sense. Um, she goes into a diner uh, and asks how to get to Camp Crystal Lake, and all the locals like if there was a record scratch, it would have been right there. They all stop and look at her. And, one of them says, Camp Blood? They open that place up again? Um, a very pervy truck driver <laughs> offers to give her a ride. Enus. 
Is that his name? His name's Enos, yeah. Enos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then as they're leaving, he says, are all the girls going to look as good as you up there? And she like politely laughs. <laughs> My wife made me make sure that she's like, make sure you write down that she politely laughed at his inappropriate joke. Yeah, he's very <laughs> yeah. creepy. And she humors him because, uh, you know, society has taught her to fear uh, interactions like that and just, you know, go along with it. It's, it's exactly. Right. It's terrible. Uh, and then we get, we meet Ralph. He pops out. Yeah. The local kook. I love, love a, a Ralph character. I feel like this is the, this is the archetype. It is Ralph. Yeah. Like it came from him. Yeah. And I was, I wrote down my note about Ralph is, and this is not an insult. I, but I said that Ralph feels like, versus everything else, he feels like a character from an older movie and like a cheaper movie, you know? Yes. Um, like, like I feel like Ralph should be in some really weird like exploitation movie or something like that. Yes, for sure. Um, going to Camp Blood, ain't you? Never coming <laughs> back again. It's got a death curse. <laughs> <laughs> he rides off on his bike. Yeah, he just rides off on his bike. The trucker full-on touches her butt as he helps her into the cab mm-hmm. of the truck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, the truck driver is asking Annie about the the, lo- the owner, Steve, mm-hmm. Steve Christie. Uh, is he, did he tell you anything? Did he tell you about what happened? Quit now. Just Camp Crystal Lake is jinxed. Yeah. Um, and so he, he he talks about the two kids that were murdered in 1958. In 1957, there was a boy who drowned in the lake. Then after that, there are fires, and she should just get out now. Uh, and she says, like, I basically, it's like, man, I got a job lined up. I can't just leave. Yeah. I was thinking about how a conversation like this would go down in real life in my the whole time it was happening. And it's like, yeah, it, it, that's how I would be, too. It's like. I was like, I don't know this guy. He could be completely right, but it's like, uh, I don't know you, so I'm just yeah. going to go to work. I have such a fear of disappointing people mm-hmm. that even if they're like, even if I was convinced, like, well, you know, I I did agree to do it. <laughs> I don't want anybody to be mad at me. Yeah. Uh, and he says, dumb kids, know-it-alls, like my nieces, head full of rocks. <laughs> and her comeback to that is, you're, Amer- you're an American original. Which I don't understand at all. Maybe that meant something in 1980. Yeah, I just read um, one of S- Stephen King's like first novel, actually, mm-hmm. uh, called Rage. Mm-hmm. He published it. He, he wrote it before Carrie, and it is just chock full of what I assume, or it's either him trying to sound cool mm-hmm. and make up slang, or like slang that just like does not make any sense these days. I mean, I love Stephen King. Love, love, love him. But he's definitely guilty of doing that consistently across his career of like, yeah, this is how the young people talk. And it's like, Steve, it's not. Oh, <laughs> in his in his later books, too, like Under the Dome has yeah. probably the worst written child characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's I was talking to a, f- a friend of ours, Sabrina Brody. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that like, it's OK, Stephen, you can write adult characters or you could just keep writing books that take place in the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. And that'd be fine too. Right. Um, anyway, still, I'm a huge fan. Obviously. <laughs> so, uh, she gets out, uh, he lets her out at the cemetery cut. 
we cut to uh, three counselors in a truck. One of them is Kevin Bacon. His name is Jack. He's making out with Marcy. And then we meet Ned. Fucking Ned. Fucking Ned. This is the only scene that Ned's in where I don't hate him. Yeah. Um, he makes some sort of pervy comments. I didn't write it down. And Marcy says, is sex all you ever think about? And he says, no, no, absolutely not. Sometimes I just think about kissing women. I thought that was kind of funny. That's <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> they are, oh, yeah. They arrive at camp. Banjo music blaring. <laughs> they're, they're big into banjo music. Yeah. Uh, we meet Steve, who looks fucking incredible. Steve is here's okay. This is what I said. Steve looks like a guy who would be sharing a joint with somebody on the lawn at Hollywood Forever, <laughs> <laughs> like who has like a twenty hour a week job. Uh, but somehow lives in a $3,000 one-bedroom in Echo Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Well, he He's wearing short shorts, no shirt. He has a red bandana tied around his neck. Mm-hmm. He looks amazing. He's chopping wood. <laughs> uh, we meet Alice. She's the good girl, I guess. I mean, I, just, I, I wrote she's the good girl because I knew it was coming up. Mm-hmm. But really, there's no indication that she's a good girl. Yeah. Uh, they're fix they're fixing up the camp before the kids get there. Uh Steve pulls out her drawing pad and points out that you draw very well. And there's a picture of him. He's like, "When did you draw this?" "Oh, sh- last night." "Do I really look like that?" "You did last night." I think that's a great. That's a good line. Yeah, I think so too. It's a little confusing to me cuz I'm trying to figure out if it is implying that they're spending like intimate time I- together already. I think it is. Well, and then... Because he... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, he's like, he says after that, like, you're very talented and you're very pretty. Yeah. He, like, strokes her cheek. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you this, like, sort of mild spoiler. Again, watching a behind-the-scenes doc today, the actor uh, who plays Alice talks about it a little bit, and she... Uh, she played that scene as, like, she knows he's trying to sleep with her and... You know, she might end up hooking up with him. She doesn't know. Uh, oh, okay. So at least in her mind, um, that they had not sealed the deal yet, which is why I almost found that line confusing. But uh, also, I mean, this is you know, splitting hairs here. I think it's a it's a decent it's a it's a good exchange. I like it. Um, this is pretty much these. This opening scene is all of the characterizations we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. From this point forward, there's no other information that is added to the characters. Yeah, at least these two. Uh, I mean, probably for most of them. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I feel but like we get we get a little bit more like of the, Ned of the fool in a ra- yeah the Ned like we get so much Ned Ned fucking around at the lake and stuff like that. Oh my so, god. Yeah. All right, I'll get to that. Yeah, let's talk. Um, let's get there. There's something, something she has to go back to California to straighten something out. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, just give him a chance. Give him another chance. Uh, give me a week. And if you're not happy, I'll put you on the first bus out of here. And he strokes her hair. Then he leaves to pick up Annie. So I guess she signed, she didn't sign up for this, all of this work, apparently. Right. I don't know. She's not happy there. Mm-hmm. She wants to leave. He wants her to stay. Uh, then we meet Bill, who's painting the lifeguard 
tower. He's also looks great. He's wearing white pants with no shirt and red suspenders. Yeah. Oh God. He looks like, um, he reminds me, uh, you remember that? I don't remember his name, but he had Gallagher. Like a body. Yeah. Gallagher. <laughs> he's definitely, definitely has Gallagher vibes, but, uh, he physically looks like there was some guy in the eighties who, um, had like a series and he wore like a muscle suit, oh, like, like literally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who the fuck was that guy? Yeah, it's the it was like an or it was like yeah the the human body see. suit. Yeah, uh, he physically looks like him in my head at least. <laughs> Slim good body. Slim good body. Yeah, I'm gonna look him up. Good body. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Yeah, that's who Bill looks like to me. Okay. <laughs> um, Anyway, I'm glad we took that journey. Yeah. Uh, we also fun. meet Brenda, who has her side ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's setting up an archery target, and she steps away from the archery target, mm-hmm. and fucking Ned shoots an arrow into it, barely missing her. Yeah, it's completely insane. It's so, He's insane. So fucked up. Um, do you know who actually shot that arrow? Who? Do you want to guess? Tom Savini. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My boy, Sav- Savvy Boy. <laughs> He's one savvy customer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to say uh, I'm going to take my 10 seconds to be a sleaze, but Brenda, she's my fave. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. She's a she's a total a total fox. Yeah, she's my number one. She died uh, She died somewhat young, I think. Lori Bartram. Sad. Oh, in real life? Um, yeah, I think she had cancer. She passed away before oh. she turned 50. Um, so. Oh, Jesus. Shout out to uh, to Brenda and Lori Bartram. Rest in peace. I'm sorry. I made that so remember. dark. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, yes, wife. It does smell like fire. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> smells like fire here Tell in her the studio. Tell her it's the hot takes we're cooking up on this <laughs> podcast. Um, and so she, get, she gets mad at Ned, rightfully so. But not enough. And not enough. She's like, are you crazy? And he's like, you know, you're beautiful when you're angry, sweetheart. I was like, fuck, dude. Fuck Ned. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Like, a lot of people, uh, like, I think he might be, again, like the crazy dude, kind of an archetypal, uh, like, cut up in these movies, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if this, if there was a character like this before, but he definitely is one of my least favorite iterations of, of the kind of, you know, class clown type dude. Like, he's just yes. so grating. He's so grating. Um, and he gets picked up by someone who, like, we see, we, we don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, uh, whatever, she's going off about how much she likes working with kids. Yeah, she's trying to she, hitch a ride children. to the camp. Yeah, and she gets picked up in a weird Jeep. In a weird Jeep. Uh, she's like, I ah, talking about how she likes children, but not kids. That sounds like little goats. <laughs> um, uh, so they drive by the road to Camp Crystal Lake and she mm-hmm. starts to get freaked out and um you know says I think we should we should stop it starts to speed up and then she gets really freaked out and jumps out of the car and into a ditch it backs up she runs into the woods and whoever's chasing her follows her into the woods and through her POV uh the killer kind of doesn't really make sense how the geography of it doesn't make sense the killer pops out of nowhere and slits mm-hmm. her throat Brings the body count up to three, and the screen goes white, 
Yeah, and this is our first violent death in this movie. Yes. Really. Like, the, the guy eats it at the beginning, but it's like a quick just kind of stab. This is this is the first time that, like, Savini is showing off his skills. And it looks cool. It's like he slits the throat. We mm. see, like, the, the flesh separate. Yeah, and there's and a And then, like, delay. a second yeah. later, the mm-hmm. blood comes out. It's, yeah. It's, it's cool. Uh, and I like I like that stylistically that fade to white. Mm-hmm. And it, I, it would be cooler, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. If it would continue that whenever somebody died. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd like that. Yeah, let's go back and ask them to fix it. Yeah, let's fix it, guys. Come on. Uh, we cut to the lake. Everybody's setting up the docks. Kevin Bacon is wearing a speedo, leaving nothing to the imagination. Oh no, sir! <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, Bacon is sizzling. <laughs> someone's watching them while they swim uh i think you know i'll just address this now i think my biggest gripe mm-hmm. with this movie one of my biggest gripes is because uh, you know it's revealed who the killer actually is mm-hmm. and just them being in all places at the same time yeah. and being able to outmaneuver everybody mm-hmm. sort of drives me a little bit crazy it makes more sense when it's jason right when like it is sup- yeah. yeah exactly supernatural mm-hmm. yeah Right. Uh, so Brenda thinks she sees somebody in the woods. Um, Ned pretends to drown. Yeah. It's insane. This, I, I wrote, this guy needs to be fired. <laughs> like, he pretends to drown. Everybody rushes to save him. He goes yeah. under the water. They pull him out up onto the dock. And Brenda gives him mouth to mouth, and he just kisses her. Yeah. Um well, one, I mean, as much as I hate Ned, got to give credit to this scene for, uh, you know, precursor to the famous squint scene in the Sandlot. Um, <laughs> they must have taken that from this. Yeah. Uh, unless there were just a bunch of shitty guys. Like, this is the precursor to, like, incels, right? It's like... Yeah, Ned. Yeah. It's like <laughs> pretending to drown so you can make out with a girl and then just be like, what? I was just kidding around. That's like... Yeah, Kevin Bacon's a real Chad. <laughs> he is. He's a skinny Chad, but he's a Chad nonetheless. Yeah, um, skinny Chad. Yeah, but I, I wrote down uh, that we are 25 minutes into the movie and I am counting the seconds until Ned dies. Yeah, oh... And it's soon. It's funny. We're 25 minutes into the movie. We're 23 minutes into this segment. Ooh. So we're kind of going one-to-one here. Nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alice is... <laughs> this guy's a sex pest, I wrote. Um, <laughs> Alice is getting dressed. Uh, there's a snake in her cabin. She calls to Bill, our mm-hmm. hero. Not really, but he's weeding with a machete, which yeah. seems like overkill. Uh, everybody rushes in. Kevin Bacon jumps on the bed. All hell breaks loose. And they end up killing the snake. And it looked realistic enough that it made me wonder, were they really killing a snake? Do you know? Yeah. Do you want to talk about this? I Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yes. And I'm not happy about it. Um, and it's funny. Uh, you know, we've talked uh, at least twice, I think, on this podcast about Cannibal Holocaust and the rightful amount of shit that movie got for a yeah. bunch of, of real animal killings. Um, and this movie, for whatever reason, this isn't something that people uh, bring up. Uh, I I had the same response as reaction that you did. I just immediately went to go research it because I was like, I've seen a lot of movies and that looks like they just killed a snake. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
And so this is an awful story, so I will not make it long. It Not only did they kill a real snake, but it was unplanned. Uh, it was an improvised scene where Savini had a snake in his cabin while they were staying at the camp. And he was like, oh, it'd be cool if we put a snake in a cabin. Uh, and so they found a guy with a snake. It was a pet snake. Oh, and shit. They paid him to, put, to bring it out and put it on the set. Uh, and I don't like it's hard to track down who's really responsible at the end of the day because I don't think anybody's real proud of what happened. But um, it was not planned. And the fucking actor killed the snake and the guy lost his mind, apparently was crying on set. Um, had to be restrained from trying to go after the guy who killed his snake. And Holy shit. That's what happened in this scene. And yeah, the whole thing really turned my stomach. Like, I hate snakes, but, you know, fucking killing someone's pet is, that's, that is, that's gnarly shit. Wow. I had no idea. I did not know that any of that. Yeah. It's funny that I stopped and asked you that. <laughs> it I, seems like it was planned. It was not. Yeah. I was debating whether or not I wanted to talk about it because it made me so uncomfortable. But I yeah. think, yeah, I mean, let's, uh, yeah, the responsibility where responsibilities do, they, they fucked up. Well, the good news is that they got a really funny joke out of it, which is, is it dead? Either that or it has a really short clone. So it was all worth it. Fucking Ned. Ned walking around in his football jersey. That guy's never caught a fucking pass in his life. Uh, The police arrive. Ned is doing a very problematic (laughs) dance in a headdress. Yeah. Holy shit. Back to back scenes. Kill a real snake. Uh, Was he the one who killed the snake? No, I'm just saying for the movie. Oh, it's it's a rough one two punch. Yeah. It really is. Uh, the police officer's a total fucking weirdo. He grabs Kevin Bacon mm. and asks what he's been smoking. Yeah. <laughs> this was um, this was something that was added later on, and it's like the original screenwriter has said in an interview that like this is the one thing he doesn't like about the movie. It's which is funny because it's oh, like yeah? he likes everything else. He thinks the movie is pretty much what he wrote, and he's happy with how it turned out. But I guess he didn't write this scene. And he objects to the way that it makes the camp feel less remote. Um, oh, sure. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted the idea um, to be that they were out there by themselves, which when you, upon a closer, you know, uh, investigation doesn't really make that much sense because Ralph rides his fucking bike out <laughs> in, in, yeah. in, in two scenes. Yeah. So I guess it must have been just to explain why Ralph is there mm-hmm. or that... Because cause he, he's just looking for Ralph, right? Uh, the cop. So that must be uh, just the explanation. When Ralph pops out later, mm-hmm. they just wanted something to clarify. It's like, okay, well, he's missing. Yeah. And so he's there. That's, yeah. I bet that's why. You're probably right. Uh, so then the officer gets a call. He drives off. Um, Alice is getting some pots for dinner. When I just mentioned, she opens mm-hmm. the pantry door and Ralph is there. I'm a messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. This place is cursed. Cursed. You're doomed if you stay. And he just <laughs> and he <walks>. slinks off. 
<laughs> I love the whole the blocking of all this is hilarious. That he's just yeah. he's just waiting in there for someone to open the door in a dark pantry. Yeah, <laughs> and then when he gets his chance to do his line, he just sort of slowly walks out and then finishes his line and continues to walk out of the cabin. Yeah. Then he gets on his bike and he's like, doomed, you're all doomed, and rides off. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. Uh, they're all making dinner. Brenda shames him from eating meat, for eating meat. Um, and then the lights go out and Kevin Bacon says he knows how to use the emergency generator. So he brings them out there and fires it up. Oh. Um, Excuse me. We get a pretty pretty dusk shot of the lifeguard tower next to the lake. Jack and Marcy are canoodling on the beach. Mm-hmm. Ned watches like a pervert. Yeah. And then uh, he walks by a cabin and he sees somebody standing there, but we can't really see who it is. And he goes in to ex- inspect it. And that's the last we see of Ned for now. Uh, Marcy tells Jack that Ned is acting like a dork. I don't know. Oh, then there's lightning on their face, which is really bad looking. <laughs> just clearly somebody shut, like flashing a light on them. Yeah. I just want to say this, like, you know, we just had our last scene with living Ned and I feel like he, it's the, it's one of the only scenes where I like can kind of relate to the guy a little bit, you know, watching a couple fool around. It's it's less like well, but here's the thing. To be fair, the to, living Ned, by the way, <laughs> return of the living Ned. To be fair to Ned, he's not like he's sitting there for five minutes watching them fool around, like digging his boner into a tree. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's rubbing himself through his jeans. <laughs> yeah, his white cut off jean shorts. Uh, no, he he like is kind of watches them for a second and then looks sort of forlorn and like walks off and. I will say that there was something very uh, reminiscent or I don't want to say nostalgic because it wasn't a pleasant memory, but I had like a very visceral flashback to many, many, many experiences during high school of me like looking for my friends and being like, where, where's, uh, where's, oh, 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 you guys are, are hooking up. Cool. Um, I guess I'll just go over here (laughs) yeah exactly because i was i was not hooking up in high school i I was thinking uh recently um i guess i was reading the movie reading that book rage Mm -hmm. um because it has to do with adolescence um of how i would get in this mood where i'd want people to worry about me yeah and i would just like be quiet Mm -hmm. and like it let's say we're at not a party but like someone's house and you know there obviously there's girls involved and i was the odd man out so i just like go sulk in a corner Mm -hmm. just like my fantasy was for someone specifically one of the a cute girl Mm -hmm. like hey you okay what's going on over here but nobody ever did Mm -hmm. because nobody gives a fuck when you're sulking (laughs) in fact you're annoying everybody yeah and it's like you can be like all like, but then you're the guy like, oh god, what the fuck is Eric doing right now? Right, what an asshole. Um, so it's oh, it always gets the opposite reaction of what you want it to. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you know, if I could go back and tell my my 15 year old self anything, it's just like the number one way to be cool is to just not give a shit about anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's so hard not to give a shit at that age. Yeah. But that is, 
the case. Mm-hmm. Just don't fucking care. Yeah. If, and you'll be the coolest dude in the world. If you are a teenager listening to this podcast right now, we Eric and I cannot stress enough. <clears throat> there is nothing cooler. And I don't mean like be like emotionless and like right. it's just like right. don't let anything phase you. And if it does, pretend it doesn't. It's just like yeah. don't be bothered by anything, you know? Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that is uh, one piece of advice I would definitely give myself. The other piece of advice would be to stop 9-11, if I could. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to go back to my high school self. <laughs> well, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, well, you if know. I, if, I were on those, if I was on that plane, it never would have happened. <laughs> well, fuck the plane. I mean, how are, you, how are you? <laughs> uh, what, who cares about a plane? How are you going to go back and stop that plot of controlled demolition, Eric? Uh, jet fuel uh, doesn't great point, great steel point. beams uh so it's gonna storm marcy's afraid of storms she tells jack of this her nightmare she has with the storm and the rain turns to blood and hey marcy i guess you had to be there because it doesn't sound that scary yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh the storm whips up and jack and marcy go back to their cabin to get it on mm-hmm the other counselors are hanging out. Bill's playing simply beautiful Spanish guitar. What's <laughs> <laughs> the guy? Yeah, he's like the guy who sells his guitar at late night. What is that? Esteban. Is that? Esteban. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like Esteban. Um, Brenda suggests playing Strip Monopoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, uh, so Jack and Marcy be fucking. Um, and I heard. Maybe you can clarify this, mm. that this was unsimulated. <laughs> that they were actually fucking. Yeah, well, Kevin you, Bacon insisted on it. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, it, was in his, it was in his contract. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, she was cool with it because he's Kevin Bacon, but... Yeah, yeah, exactly. She knew she wanted to be one degree away. She saw, uh, she, she saw that red lipstick and she said, this guy's going to be a star. <laughs> Uh, so while they're fucking, the camera pans up, and Ned is on the top bunk with his throat slit, body count up to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Monopoly guys are smoking weed and drinking beer. Um, and then we cut back. Jack finishes. Kevin Bacon finishes for real. <laughs> um, <laughs> Marcy gets up to pee. Yeah. Uh, and Jack lays down, <clears throat> and he lights a joint. Blood drips on his forehead. And then we get what I consider to be the most iconic death other than maybe the decapitation coming up later mm-hmm. in maybe this whole series. Certainly in this movie. Yeah. Certainly in this movie, maybe in this series. It's I mean, one that always gets replayed a lot. It's very iconic. There is a death later on. I don't know if it's the most iconic, but it's absolutely my favorite in one of the later movies. I won't spoil it right now. but I think I know which one you're talking about. I'm not- yeah. I won't guess. Yeah, you want to talk about it off the air. <laughs> okay. Um, and then an arrow comes through the bed, through his throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, I think... Uh, so I brought up the uncut version yeah. earlier. And I think this might be one of the instances where they hung on the violence for a little bit longer. Because it cuts pretty quick Do you, in the R-rated version. I mean, in the R-rated version, in the version I see... saw, And I think this is the theatrical version, too. Like... I think it's just, it's really, it's great because, uh, 
I actually I heard Tom Savini talk about this. This is one of these happy accident things. So when they go through and they're supposed to, the the arrow goes through Kevin Bacon's neck from underneath the mattress, and then there's supposed to be a spurt of blood, right? Well, what mm-hmm. happened was Savini's assistant is under the bed and is supposed to be operating like a little bell hand pump, like just a like a really easy air pump that pushes the blood through the line and would make blood spurt out, right? Right. Well, as they were rolling, um, the pump got disconnected from the end of the tubing. And, like, in a panic, when it was time to go action on the blood, he just put the tube in his mouth and blew, which caused the blood to spurt way further than it was supposed to. But everybody was really happy with the end result, and they left it in. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, anyways, that, and then the other thing I wanted to say, uh, I have a note here about this scene, which is, this is a great, uh, this is a great effect, but Mrs. Voorhees has to have, uh, like Dikembe Matumbo arms to actually pull this off because <laughs> she, because yeah, the yeah. hand on the head. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I was going to say, uh, do you guys want a quick filmmaking tip mm. that, um, I did, when I was in high school and I brought it back for every single movie we've made, except for maybe another Yeti, a love story because now, all right. So now it's very easy to do digital blood <clears throat> and I know it's easy. It's I, real blood looks so much cooler, mm-hmm. not real blood, fake blood, right. but like fake blood. Phys- physical blood. Mm-hmm. And you know, no, you know what? We did use this in Yeti because we used it when, uh, my character gets blood blasted in his face from a, a fetus shredder. <laughs> um, okay. So what you do is you take an, ins- an, incest- an insecticide pump. I almost said the Nirvana album, Incesticide. Uh-huh. Yeah. You cut off the hose or you pull off the hose. You take a length of real hose, uh, put a hole on the, t- uh, on the one end. You tape, up, you tape it up so it's, it's like sealed up. And then you mm-hmm. drill a hole right at the very top. Fill the tube with blood, pump the insecticide pump, hide it under a shirt or behind a head, and then when it's time to action, you press the trigger on the insecticide pump, Mm -hmm. and it blasts the blood with great volume uh, against a wall or out of a shirt. Uh, And and if you stuff some some uh, uh, not toilet paper, yeah, toilet paper or paper towel, it looks like brain matter in there, and it also plugs up the hole from like potentially leaking uh. it's a very cheap very effective uh blood hit that i've like, used in almost every single thing i've ever made that's pretty cool yeah i like it a lot. Uh, so, so there you go if you're making a movie if you do if you do end up using that send it to me on twitter uh at slime boy 420 i would love to see it um all right so uh, the Monopoly guys are smoking weed. Okay, we got that. Um, Marcy goes off to pee. Uh, oh, so the body count goes up to five with mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. Um, and I watched this on Crackle, as I said before, and a commercial break interrupted that death. <laughs> oh, my God. So n- not ideal. Um, Marcy goes off to the bathroom. Uh, she opens a door and she reads some graffiti. <laughs> 40 yards to the outhouse by Willie Make It. <laughs> All right. And she does some bits into the mirror. <laughs> uh, and she hears something. 
and rightfully thinks it's Ned peeping mm-hmm. on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, a fair assumption. Yeah. Uh, she checks behind a shower curtain, and we see behind her a shadow of somebody raising an axe. And bam, an axe in the eye. And then uh, body count goes up to six. Yeah, this is another really great effect. Um, it is. This axe in the face. And just to share another thing from this documentary, which I'm going to keep mentioning, I can't speak to the quality of the whole thing because it is six hours long. Holy um, fuck. Is it Crystal Lake Memories or Yeah, whatever? Crystal Lake Memories. Um, so I watched the first part of it, which just covers the initial film, and I'm going to keep kind of watching it in uh, small doses as we go through the series. But for anybody who's interested, it is currently available uh, on Shutter streaming. And I think I've said before, if you like this podcast, you owe it to yourself oh, to you... at least check out Shutter. Um, it's great. Yeah. But um, yeah, another Savini story. Uh, uh, or I think it was Cunningham talking about working with Savini. And one of the things that he really impressed him when they first met was just like he had gotten the script and he had made all sorts of notes on it. And like one of the things he came in for this scene and he said he went straight to Sean Cunningham and he said, "Okay, so do you want um, a fake axe in her real head? Do you want the do you want her face to look real or do you want a real axe getting plunged into a fake head? Um, He's like, which I'm like, that's a great question. And I I love it. Like, and it it shows you the kind of the approach and it just like, yeah, it's like we can make one of these things look good. It can either be her, but the axe won't be real or we can really fucking axe a head, but it's not going to be a real head. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they went with fake axe, real head. And I think it looks really good. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's it's a great a great death, um, and because a, a lot of the other deaths that happen coming up happen off camera, mm-hmm. yeah. So like it, it's one of the few. I'll get to that with my final wrap up. Right. Um. Anyway, I'll I'll get back to that. So Brenda's in her underwear. Brian too. Alice is about to take her shirt off when the door blows open. The wind blows the door open, and Brenda remembers that she left the windows in her cabin open and leaves. Just when things were getting interesting. Uh, she says goodnight. Steve's at a diner drinking coffee. The waitress uh, says he shouldn't drive back. Um, he's like, I got six new counselors up there, and they're literally babes in the woods. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah. He gets in his Jeep, drives off. Um, I, I, Brenda, love, I love this diner, by the way. And I love this, me too. this diner waitress. And I think maybe it was just something about the quarantine, but... I was just like, fuck, I want to go to that diner so bad. It's such a thing in movies that I've never done before, and I don't know anybody who's done before, to just go to a diner and just order coffee. Yeah. You know I guess it's like a trucker thing, maybe. When we were when we were uh in high school and the first couple we, we would go to Perkins a lot, which is kind of like a diner. I mean it's a chain, but um and we would just drink coffee because we didn't really have money for anything else and they had a smoking section. So that oh was, yeah, it was basically like the pre twenty one year old version of going to a bar, where you would just drink coffee for two hours and talk to your friends and smoke cigarettes. Sure, yeah, I, w- I worked in a diner actually. Mm. I was a a waiter and a short shorter cook. That's cool. a good time. Nice. Miss being a diner. Miss being a diner boy. <laughs> Life is simpler. Uh, so Brenda goes to the women's bathroom. We're gonna say it's not too late, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> just create a diversion and go <laughs> oh yeah I do smell smoke down here uh, I'll go check it out it's never return 
Uh, she hears something coming from the shower. Um, the curtain. Oh, and, yeah. We definitely see like somebody pulling, like moving the shower curtain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some nice tension in this movie that I don't think I ever really appreciated the first few times that I watched it mm-hmm. or um, until now. It's like, oh, there's actually like, that's what I was to tie it back to before. Like there is some craft in this movie yeah. to like make things scary. Uh, she leaves and turns the light out, but it comes back on. Steve's Jeep is just suddenly broken down on the side of the road. Disappointing we don't get a a low-speed crash <laughs> <laughs> we need into it. a tree. We need, I'm I mean, sure there will be. Now, wait. I was thinking about, I wonder, because we talk about the low-speed crash so much, and this movie obviously... Uh, gives so much of its DNA to Wet Hot American Summer. And I, uh-huh. I was thinking to myself, I didn't mention this at the time, but early on in the movie, um, our first modern day death when, uh, what's the name of the character? Is it? Annie. Annie. When Annie Annie jumps out of the van, the moving van oh, onto yeah, the yeah, side yeah, of the yeah. street. And I was like, I wonder if that is in any way part of the inspiration for... There are multiple scenes in Wet Hot American Summer where Paul Rudd throws <laughs> throws kids throws kids out the side of his of his car into the into the woods. Do you know what the original idea was in the script for those? No. Instead of throwing them out of the car, uh-huh. he would he brought them into the woods and kneeled them down and put a a silencer a gun with a silencer on <laughs> the back of their head. <laughs> <laughs> and executed them. <laughs> Holy shit. That was the original like idea, but they're like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, yeah. I'm. I think they made the right decision. <laughs> I think so too. Although it is really funny. Yeah, but um, yeah, you mentioning the van, the crash. It's like I wonder too if there was somewhere specific that they got the inspiration for that crash in Wet Hot. Um, right. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. Uh, so Brenda's being watched. Uh, oh, I, I did I mention that Steve gets picked up by a police officer, uh, agrees to drive him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brenda's being watched through her cabin window, and she settles down to read, but she starts hearing a little kid's voice say, help me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right when this happened, my son started talking in his room. Oh, Jesus. And it, was, it was weird. It was like weird <laughs> surround sounds. Uh, she gets up to investigate, uh, and she hears somebody calling for help in the, from the woods, and she ventures into the rain, wanders onto the archery lane, and suddenly the floodlights come on, and she screams off camera. And I think in the unrated cut, she mm-hmm. gets hit with arrows. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's it's interesting. Like, it's kind of a cool idea to have that be her undoing, and also another thing that doesn't really make... Well, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense if we assume that the killer has been watching them from the beginning and saw her narrowly avoid an arrow from dipshit Ned. Right, from yeah. Ned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Brenda's the- Brenda's uncut death, so I, mm-hmm. I, I was right. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Are you watching it? I, I was started to, but then it just got stuck on. Uh, <laughs> and so she dies off camera. Um, body count goes up to whatever. I'll come back to it. We see her. <laughs> body count. Gonna... 
Body count. Body, 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 count. body count. Body count. Um, she screams off camera. Alice is milling around her cabin. Then the door bursts open. It's Bill. Uh, Alice heard the scream. So and noticed that someone had turned the lights on in the archery range. But they're off now. But they go to check it out. Um, they check in on Brenda's cabin and find the bloody axe that killed Marcy in the bed. So they get all spooked, rightfully so. They check Jack's cabin, which is empty, and they can't find anyone. The office is locked, so Alice breaks it with a, a window, breaks a window with a board. The phone's dead in there. The truck won't start. Alice wants to just hike out of there. Um, and Bill assures her that there's probably some stupid explanation for all this. We'll, we'll be laughing about it tomorrow. Uh-huh. Uh, so the police officer driving Steve um, almost gets to the camp, but then he gets a, a call about an accident. He drops him off. Steve has to walk the rest of the way. I just want to as he's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to make a quick note here too that this is the part of the movie that I want to say I think it starts to drag a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's like I ended up watching the movie twice in part because I was trying to go back through the plot in my head and I lost. 15 minutes of time here like see i i do agree and i think it also actually i think it starts to really drag mm-hmm. um when it's revealed who mrs Voorhees is and then there's like that final chase yeah i think that's that i think which that, i think takes up too much time that's like five minutes longer than it should be and then mm-hmm. i think that this like from when steve leaves the diner to like when Brenda dies is like it's like eight minutes and nothing happens in between. Yeah, you know the diner scene with Steve too isn't completely necessary because if if memory serves me, he doesn't even re- bring up that Annie, the original girl, mm-hmm. is missing. Right? Does he no. mention that? It's like oh, I had a counselor, so that it would have made more sense if he was like I had a counselor who just didn't show, and I guess right. fuck, great, this is gonna be great start of the ste- mm-hmm. the season. Yeah. Uh, but that scene doesn't really serve much of a purpose. Yeah. Um, sorry um, to derail. Continue. No, no, no. That's what this show's all about. Uh, so he walks to the entrance of the camp, and suddenly somebody shines a spotlight on him, and um, something stabs him. We don't really see what it is. Mm-hmm. Body count goes up to seven. But body count. <laughs> uh, the generator dies. The lights go out. Bill breaks out some lanterns. Uh, somehow Alice falls asleep on the couch as Bill goes to check on the generator. I don't know that I'd be sleeping at this time. I mean, Um, have you ever met a woman? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. No, I haven't. Um, she decides she wakes up from her nightmare calling Bill's name and decides it's time to make some instant coffee. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. She uses the back left burner. Why have you ever used the back left burner other than it's you need four burners? Yeah, I well, what I, burner are you? Well, I use the front burners to cook, but I use we have a teapot in our home mm-hmm. and it sits on the back left burner. Really? Huh, yeah. interesting. Uh, because it can just kind of stay there, you know? Yeah, okay, but she places it there. Okay, I, I, I understand. I, I, 
I think people who leave, use the back left burner are sure. psychopaths. So. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they chose the back left burner because after they got the shot set up, they were like, it, the framing is the best if you put it in the back left burner. Sure. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she goes aside to look, at, look for Bill and finds his poncho in the generator room. And as she closes the door, he's pinned to it, filled with arrows. Mm-hmm. Body count up to eight. Body count. Uh, she, she, ru- she runs back to the main cabin and rings, rigs up some rope on the door so nobody can open it. Then piles stuff up against it, which wouldn't really work if yeah, the door this, opens outward. Her barricade plan is just bonkers. Like It's not good. And again, it's like I, I enjoyed it because this part of the this scene of the movie is so absurd that I was entertained. But it is also insanely long. It's like yes. it's like two and a half minutes of her like tying this thing to the door and then like grabbing this thing and putting it in front of the door and then like doing shit with the window and it, she's just like and half of it makes no sense at all. Yeah, uh, for protection, she grabs a bat and a cooking fork, and you don't really see three pronged cooking forks anywhere. No, no, they lost one of those prongs somewhere along uh, along the lines. Yeah, save some money. Yeah. Give her one of those props. <laughs> and suddenly, Brenda's body's thrown through the window. Body count up to nine. Alice freaks the fuck out. Body count. Somebody, body count. Somebody pulls up in a car, and then, and then we finally meet Mrs. Voorhees. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice immediately trusts her. And so, okay, one thing I wanted to talk about yeah. was that, like, Annie immediately trusts the person who picks her up. Mm-hmm. Although we did see her with that truck driver who was a perv, so she trusted him. But there is something interesting about the killer being a woman, yeah. an older woman, mm-hmm. who's disarming. Like, people just kind of immediately trust you. 100%. Did you, to the best of your knowledge, the first time you saw this, did you know who the killer was? Um, I think so. I think it had been spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line. Uh, so, yes, I did know. I think, if my memory serves me, I was unspoiled and, mm. in fact, like, got to enjoy the twist. So, uh, when did you lose your virginity, then? <laughs> if you were unspoiled. I mean, I think... I, I'm, my guess is that 75% of the people listening to this podcast know when I lost my virginity. Uh, <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. But. No, no, no. I was just kidding. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I and and I think I have a sort of vague memory of having the realization as she clearly establishes that she's not super stable. Um, mm-hmm. That like, oh shit, this is this might be the killer, you know. Um, so uh, she tries to convince Mrs. Voorhees that they're in danger, but. She insists on seeing the destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she starts to go crazy. Yeah. And- one one more thing, too. Just uh, you're talking about the, sort of this older woman character being kind of unassuming uh, and more trustworthy. That was also a deliberate casting choice. Betsy Palmer was somebody who had... Um, this is almost akin to like the casting of Leslie Nielsen in Airplane, where they, uh-huh. you know, they wanted to go after someone with a ton of gravitas, someone really serious to like kind of turn that role on its head. And for this, they were like trying to cast an actor who um, 
you know, had sort of like a familiar, very warm, friendly image. Uh, and that's kind of oh, who, that makes sense. who Betsy Palmer was. Do you, do you recognize her from anything that no. I would know? No. no, I think she was most famous for a game show of some kind. Oh, okay. um, but, you know, she played a mom in a lot of stuff. And they were looking at some other people, too, who ended up, you know, not working out. But but I know that that's like the the story with her as an actress. Actor. So she, sorry. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gives her diatribe about like, um, Steve never should have opened this place. Did you know that a young boy drowned here two years before the counselors were murdered? His name was Jason. Jason should have been watched. The counselors were fucking and mm-hmm. Jason drowned on their clock. Right. He wasn't a very good swimmer. Don't know why he was so far out in the lake if he's not a good swimmer. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of failures that led to Jason's demise. Yeah, it takes a village to kill uh, a boy. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Voorhees gets flashes of Jason drowning and calling for help. Mm-hmm. Today was his birthday. So Friday the 13th is Jason's birthday. Yeah. Um, I couldn't let them open this place again. My sweet, innocent Jason. You let him drown. Uh, she pulls a knife and rushes Alice. Alice hits her with a fire poker. Okay, so every time that Mrs. <laughs> Voorhees gets hit, yeah, she's like, "Ow!" <laughs> like selling it, selling yeah. the hit uh-huh. as a woman, a middle-aged yeah. woman would. Right. But this is where the movie falls apart for me in a mm-hmm. lot of ways because okay. previous to this, she's been capable of insane feats of strength, like yeah. throwing Brenda through a window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The movie doesn't make a ton of sense, like, if you look at it too closely. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, yeah, and also, what, the you know, the arrow through the bed, all of these things. Again, I think to your earlier point, they actually managed to reconcile all of this stuff by changing the villain of this movie to a supernatural, giant male villain, you know? Yes, Yes, uh, because it, 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 the way she cries out when she's hit is just like, oh, <laughs> it's pretty, that's not in, it's, it's not intimidating at all. It's funny, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing with this fi- fire poker confrontation I wanted to talk about is I feel like this is a very early example, not the earliest because this is also an issue in Halloween. But that classic, I I just I kind of grinned to myself. I was like, this is that classic horror trope. Of like, why are you leaving now? Like, Alice took her out. She took her down with a fucking fire poker. She's on the right. ropes. Don't walk away now. Yes. Like, you yes. need to finish the job here. Finish the job. Um, and that's what Scream 2 does so beautifully. Yeah. The end of Scream 2. Oh, I fucking love that ending. Yeah. Because it's just like, why why walk away? Right. Um, I think it's, and I, I want to give a nod to, I always enjoyed that element of the, of Zombieland as well. Just like the kind of breakdown of like, this is why you double tap. Like you always have to shoot them twice, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so she finds Annie's body in the Jeep. She finds Steve's body, which falls down at just the right moment. Right. Apparently Mrs. Mrs. hung him from a tree. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's an expert rigger. Um, 
Mrs. Voorhees goes full crazy person. It's like, the killer, mommy. Killer. Yeah. That voice that so chills you. It's a great read. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Alice finds a gun and frantically roots around for bullets. Mrs. Voorhees finds her, and Alice just throws the gun at her because <laughs> she can't find bullets. Yeah. Um, it's really silly seeing Mrs. Voorhees fight. Um, she, Alice gets away and runs to the lake, and Mrs. Voorhees keeps talking Jason's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she doesn't run to the lake yet. She hides in the pantry. This happens for a long time. Yeah, that you, pantry. you said this whole scene, uh, this whole climax unfolds over too much time. Right. Uh, Mrs. Voorhees, we hear her doing shit outside the door. She finally breaks in with a machete. Alice once again knocks her out and goes to the waterfront. Mrs. Voorhees sneaks up behind her and attacks her with a machete. We have a classic or versus machete fight. (laughs) Um, They tussle on the ground. Finally, um, Alice gets the machete and we get that great slow-mo Mrs. Voorhees getting her fucking head chopped off. Yeah. Looks awesome. The the head spins a little bit. It's really yeah. it's really great. Blood squirting from the neck and mm-hmm. like the arm the hands are like spasming. Yeah. Uh then Alice gets in a canoe and waits until morning. Uh there's a really pretty shot of the canoe in the lake and her hand dangling in the water. It's idyllic. And the police arrive. We can't hear what they're saying. And just when we think everything is safe, Jason pops out of the water and drags her under. Mm. So let's briefly talk about Jason and the sure. way he looks. Yeah. So he's a boy in this. Yeah. He's a boy. Mm-hmm. And he kind of has like deformities, which I I guess are rot. So but we see him in part two and he looks fucked up too. Right. So this is a little bit of confusion and sort of lore being created on the spot. Um, the way it was originally written um, was that there was nothing overtly wrong with Jason. Um, okay. And that was the writer's intention. And then just as they were shooting this, I think this is a little bit of Tom Savini just getting excited to get his hands on another piece of the movie. Um, but I think the idea was that like someone at some point down the line, I think Cunningham probably was like, we should make him a mongoloid. Uh, it's <laughs> literally the, the term that they use repeatedly when they refer to the movie. So oh, obviously mongoloid is not uh, a term that we use anymore. But that's that was their reasoning, and I think it was just to like make it scarier. Um, yeah. So it's the kind that of thing. Sense. Yeah, there wasn't much thought behind it, really. It was just like, uh, so so to answer the question, like, is it something that happened to him since he died, um, or is it something that he was always like that? It's like I the answer is sure, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. You know. Right. But then obviously in future films, they ran with it because I think that that's how it landed with people. Yeah. Um, so then she wakes up in the hospital. They had saved her from drowning. She doesn't remember. She's, they asked, do you remember much? Remember much? She's like, the boy. Is mm-hmm. he dead too? Man, we didn't find any boy. Well, then he's still out there. Uh, and boy is he ever because we get like 12 yeah. more movies cross <laughs> um, crossfade to the lake end of movie yeah and so you know this with Jason coming up out of the water 
to grab her in the previous scene. You do you know where like what directly that idea was came from? No. Um so that was like a rip off directly completely admitted from Carrie. Um, oh yeah okay okay yeah yeah that they liked the sort of final shock of uh whatever the one surviving girl going to visit carrie's grave and the susan ha- snell yeah and the hand coming up and grabbing her and they were basically like we need something like that for like a punctuation mark on the end of the movie um and it works uh, i wonder if this post scene in the hospital mm-hmm. that i mean that must have been in the script too then or if they added that after to make it give it more of a happy ending because yeah. it would have been more powerful just to end it there i think so too but i think that you know it's i think it's i think you're right but i also think it's really interesting that this is how it ends because they realize and i, I mean they you know it's sean cunningham only directed this one um, I believe. Right. I don't think that he. No, because I think Stephen Miner did a couple after this, like yeah. two and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that it's it's funny because it's like this thing that was tacked on to the end is is really what kind of births the rest of the franchise. Um, yeah, I, I don't mean I don't mean the jumping out of the water that mm-hmm. it should have ended. With him jumping out of the water and not this post-hospital scene. Yeah. yeah. This hospital scene. Yeah. I guess you understood that. Sorry. I did understand that. And I think what it is is that the jumping out of the water was the thing that was added at a late date. Oh, got it, got it, got it. It was, yeah. it was originally... Um, I, think it, I think it would have just been maybe after Mrs. Voorhees dies that that's... Maybe both of these scenes have been added. I don't know. She says stuff in the hospital scene that directly like ties into the previous scene of him jumping out of the water. Yeah. So mm-hmm. obviously they both had to be added. Like one doesn't exist without the other. So. All right, let's get into our wrap up uh, here. Um, so I mentioned the body count. Uh, I didn't say for Mrs. Voorhees, the body count is 10 in this body movie. Body count. Body count. And I'm sure we'll be seeing those number rise as we go through the series. Mm hmm. Uh, Mike, who is your favorite character? Um, great question. My favorite character, I mean, it's clearly Ned. Um, yeah. I'm going to say, um, my favorite character is Ralph. I think, um... Oh, okay, yeah. I think I like, I, I mean, let me put it this way. Like, this, there, there, there are a handful of people who turn in pretty good performances here. It's pretty close for me with Ralph and Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with Ralph because I feel like Mrs. Voorhees is the easy answer. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Ralph, too, because oh, fuck. I mean, he really he really just stuck with me. All right, well, then you uh, can have Ralph, and I'll do Mrs. Voorhees. No, we can have the same favorite character. No, we can't. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we can. So yeah, Mrs. Voorhees. I think that she's really <laughs> creepy. Also, I didn't mention when she first shows up and I saw her sweater, I was just like, that sweater is so iconic. It's like, yeah. yeah. And I love that. I love that the fucking, I mean, obviously like logical incon- inconsistencies notwithstanding. Uh, I think it's great that the fucking serial killer villain of this movie is it's like a 55 year old blonde lady in a sweater. Yeah. Yeah. Like somebody's mom, literally somebody's mom. Yeah. 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 
right, what's um, next? So, so this movie's 40 years old. There's going to be some things that just don't age well. We like to highlight these things in a moment, in a segment that we call, not segment, but just a moment that didn't age yeah. the best. In fact, a moment that aged the worst. Yeah. Uh, I think for myself, I mean, it could just be all of Ned. But if I were to pinpoint something that uh-huh. really struck me this time, it's sure. that Indian headdress yeah. dance that he does that really yeah. it's, did not sit well. It's like the thing that you would say now is is it's like an over the top example of how to be insensitive about um you know right. indi- indigenous american cultures um yeah for me uh it's the it's the real murder of someone's pet snake that's uh oh sure yeah really leaves a bad taste in your mouth um but yeah and luckily for you guys those two scenes are sandwiched just straight back to back so uh, if you're trying to skip them when the snake shows up, just go get a bowl of popcorn and come back in two minutes. <laughs> so here on Killstreak, we like to rate the scariness of these movies on the Carpenter scale. So every movie we feel ranks somewhere in the oeuvre <laughs> of John Carpenter in terms of scariness. Yep. Zero being maybe the made-for-TV Elvis movie or Starman. <laughs> the, the, yeah, neither haven't of us decided. Have, neither of us have ever seen the Elvis movie, but we assume it's his least frightening film. <laughs> yeah, but Mike did point out it, it, it is about a drug addict, so maybe there are some scary things in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe then, we see him die on his toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and then 10 being the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mike, where does Friday the 13th fall on the Carpenter scale for you? Okay. Um, on the Carpenter scale, uh, and I'm realizing now we've been doing the show long enough where we're going to start reusing, uh, you know, for a while I was like, Oh, I got to pick a new one, you know? Oh fun. yeah. 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 It's like, eh, whatever. I'm a fool. Um, you guys already knew that. Uh, I think this movie is kind of scary sometimes. Um, I think it's definitely trying to be scary. I think from right. for me, like I am less affected by the the classic jump scare, which I think is the bread and butter of the slasher movie. Um, yes. which is funny because I have friends who like won't watch slasher type type horror for that exact reason because they hate that sort of thing. Um, I could take it or leave it. Um, so I think that this movie, in terms of how much it frightened me, is going to be right about an in the mouth of madness. Okay. Uh, for me, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, I do think there's a lot of good tension in this movie. Um, for me, it falls around Prince of Darkness territory. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I... I think those two are close for me on the Carpenter scale. I think, yeah, I think I put Prince of Darkness a little above in the Mouth of Madness. So that sounds like it jives with what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, cool. And then, so okay, there's a little system that I've worked out um, mm-hmm. for how we're going to be ranking these movies because I mean these are we have a lot of movies coming up, mm-hmm. and it's going to be easy to you know, get confused with like, Oh, did I like this one more than this one? So I, I kind of borrowed from your criteria. Okay. 
uh, for ranking movies. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give a brief insight into what my process will be going forward. I and that. I don't know that I'll, I, I will reveal, reveal my number because then you can just know what mm-hmm. you don't want to spoil our rankings at the end. Yeah, exactly. But I'm going to be ranking on five categories. Okay. Deaths. All right. TNA. Okay. Love it. Story. Mm-hmm. Characters. Okay. Uh, this one's a little more vague, but just overall quality. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Production and then, value. Uh, cast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Talent. Yeah. And then I'm, I take the average of those, mm-hmm. and I'm borrowing something from a video game website called GameStop. GameSpot, sorry, Game. from ga- called GameSpot, mm-hmm. where they had something called Swing. Okay. Which is basically the reviewer will calculate these totals, see the average, and be like, well, no, I like the, I liked it more than this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to swing it up or down a point or so. Got it. Okay. So do you want me to tell you what my numbers were for this one? Just for I, this initial I, yeah, one? Yeah, I would love to hear it. Uh, so for deaths, I gave it a four out of ten. Okay. Because there will be better deaths coming up. Mm -hmm. There's some good deaths in here, but a lot of them happen off camera. Yeah. Uh, TNA, I gave it two Mm -hmm. because we get some very brief nudity during that sex scene with Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. Although we do actually see him finish. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear it too if you really listen. (laughs) It's on her belly too, so you hear it kind of splatting. I think that was one step too far, but continue. sorry. <laughs> um, we're not cutting this out, so no, 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 no certainly not. Um, and then for story, I gave this one an eight point five. Okay, you like the story. I like the story. Okay. It's definitely trying something here. Yeah. Um, characters of five, they're just kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. They're very middle of the road. Yeah. Overall quality, I gave an eight. Okay. Um, because I think there's some craft behind what's sure. happening. Mm-hmm. The average of that is 5.5. 5. That's a little too low. I swung it up to a seven. I'm okay. giving this one a seven out of 10. Wow. Okay. Great. Um, do you want me to rate this out of 10? Is that what we're going to do? No, you can. I think we can just give our pass fail. For me, this is definitely okay. a pass. Gotcha. Yeah, but I just wanted to give the viewer, the listener, some mm-hmm. insight into how my my thought sure. process going forward. I love it. I'm. I appreciate all that insight. Uh, before I give my rating, I do want to. I want to call out that I think we skipped one of our regular uh, end uh, ratings here, which I think is invaluable for the Friday the Thirteenth series. Oh my God, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And that is best death. Yeah, um, I skipped right over it. That's okay. So let's plug it in right here while I also multitask and try to decide how I want to rate this movie at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, uh, pretty easy for me, I think. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to have the same answer, but we talked about it. The, the Kevin Bacon arrow through the neck is one of the more iconic deaths in this whole series. And it's definitely my favorite in this movie. That is also mine, and uh, I think maybe Mrs. Voorhees' decapitation, mm-hmm. um, you know, is close behind it. Yeah. But I think the Kevin Bacon death is just, like I said, it's iconic. Totally. Um, okay. And then finally, like my kind of closing 
rating of this film generally i we do a pass fail in the sense of like is this a movie in this series that uh deserves watching and for me it's not a super easy answer so i think if you're somebody who is interested in uh the roots of this franchise and like kind of has a, a little bit of an eye, like an interest in history and how things develop. Then I think just by virtue of being the one that started it all, it deserves to be watched. And, and it's not a bad movie. I don't think at all. I think that it's, it has gotten a lot of undeserved criticism, especially when it first came out. Um, but I also think that like, if you are amped to watch some Friday, the 13th movies, this one is not going to be high up on the list Right. Uh, that I would recommend. So for me, this is like a soft pass. Um, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because the thing I got, the thing I'm thinking is how many, how many Friday the 13th movies is it reasonable to ask someone to watch if they want to like experience the series? And yeah, I mean, that's, you bring up a great point. This probably isn't the starting point. Yeah. No, definitely not. Um, and again, I don't want to give away my rankings that'll happen, you know, weeks from now. But I will say that I don't believe that this is. I don't think this is in my top three. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Can I make a little point of clarification for my system that I introduced? Sure. Uh, Mike Price and I diverge in one. Uh, really key way which is mike doesn't really give perfect scores to things yeah and so i want to be clear when i gave my numbers those were comparative to the rest of the series okay and not to films in general sure you know what i mean so when i give the story an 8.5 it's it's in comparison to other friday the 13th movies okay not like you know citizen kane yeah, that's very. I think that's actually super useful information to have. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, and for me, I think I'm also trying to grade this on a curve of Friday the Thirteenth movies, uh, and yeah, for that reason, it's like yes, I think if I'm if I'm like if if your if your goal is like I'm not gonna watch eleven movies, but I do want to like do Friday the Thirteenth, then yeah, mm-hmm. you should you should watch this movie. Um, but depending on what your uh, you know time constraints are, if you're telling me that you can only watch I don't know three movies, then I'm probably not going to tell you to watch this one. So yeah, that's fair. I, I would agree with you there. Uh, it is a it is a pass for me, uh, meaning watch. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> fail. Pass over it. It does not fail. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. Yeah, wouldn't be my first suggestion for a Friday the Thirteenth movie. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to the real meat of the series uh, a little while from now. Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much does it for our wrap up of this first film, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, well, then we're just gonna take the briefest of breaks, and then we will be back with a segment after this. Hey guys, Eric here. There's a new Vampire Diaries podcast in Mystic Falls. That's right, the Vampedi Diaries. What is the Vampedi Diaries? It's a hilarious, 
after show podcast where a fella named Pete who has never seen the hit CW show, The Vampire Diaries, discusses each episode with a super fan. New episodes of the pod come out every bloodthirsty Thursday on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, the hosts, Peter Harmon and Ashley, they're great people. He's a very funny author. He's written some great books. Uh, and he's been a guest on some of my podcasts. And his wife is an absolute delight. And check them out, guys. It's going to be fun. If you like the uh, Vampire Diaries, if you want to get into the Vampire Diaries, or if you just want to hear two people talk about the Vampire Diaries and don't want to watch the show, which would be weird. All right, guys, back to our podcast. All right. Now it is time for our final segment on this episode of Killstreak. Price and I just blacked out. <laughs> we woke up in a dingy basement chained to each other. <laughs> yeah. There's somebody here that won't release He's us. He's been lying on the floor for the past five hours, and then he just sat up and asked us if we wanted to play a trivia game. So <laughs> We're joined by the game master himself. You know him as the voice of Killstreak, the guy who says, this <laughs> is Killstreak, at the top of every podcast. Ryan Martin, how are you, friend? Hey, guys. Thanks hey, for having me. It is a goddamn pleasure. Yeah. Ru- I am... Uh, it's I I didn't realize I was the voice of Killstreak. I guess that makes sense. It only makes sense. Yeah, and Ryan and I we've known each other for nearly twenty years now, and uh, one of the reasons reasons why we became friends is horror movies. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Eric might have an unfair advantage. We've sat next to each other through a lot of garbage. That's fair. Well, my memory is pretty yeah. shitty, so I don't think I have any. That advantage. is true, Eric. I love, I love that you can admit that. That's been a really lovely. I think, play. Didn't I? I think in a text of not a, not a few days ago, I was mocking your steel trap yeah. of a memory. Um. Well, uh, Ryan, you can attest to this because you have a young son. Having a baby kind of destroys your hmm. brain. Oh, I used to joke that I used to know I used to know chemistry, but now I know like horror trivia. Yeah, <laughs> like that just pushed that out. But now I know like a, a, a really a lot about organic diaper bomb. Like just just <laughs> yeah. way too much, and that's now pushing know, the horror trivia. I know back too out. much about Minecraft because that's, <laughs> oh yes that's yes, his, yes yes that's yes, his yes. thing right yeah. now. <laughs> um, so what we have lined up here today, Ryan, uh, amongst many other skills and interests and hobbies, is someone that I know personally uh, is an avid fan of not just horror movies but also horror movie scores and soundtracks. Is is that right, Ryan? Am I correct? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's getting bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting real well, bad. I remember one of the first jobs I ever had in Los Angeles. This kid was boasting that he could find any song, any album. He could get anything. So I asked him to get me the soundtrack to Night of the Living Dead 1990. Mm-hmm. And he wow. came through, and I listened to it once, and I was, <laughs> I was fine, because that's not a good soundtrack. That that very movie came up earlier on this episode, yeah. actually. Ooh. Yeah. And that one was time, my uh, Joe Bob Briggs midnight movie like mm, favorite. Yeah, mine too. That's that's how I found it. Also, um, yeah. one time Ryan and I for Christmas got each other. Uh, <laughs> didn't realize it, but we both got each other <laughs> the Evil Dead soundtrack. Aww, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, when awesome. we were talking about doing this segment, Ryan, I w- immediately flashed back to maybe six, five, six years ago. We we're sitting in. Uh, in Jim Hall's living room 
I think it was, I think Rob, our, our good friend Rob also still lived there at the time. And you were showing mm-hmm. off to me your newly acquired uh, LP of the Assault on Precinct 13 score. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think we sat and listened we to it. Yeah. Pong, weren't we? yeah, I think so. <laughs> that is yeah. a beautiful, beautiful score. And the packaging is yeah. delightful. Was yeah, that, that a that red was disc? A, that was one of the death. Yeah. Yeah, red disc. It was Death Waltz. It's, it's, um, oh man. Of course, ninety percent of that score sounds exactly the same. <laughs> <Yeah>. true. <laughs> we we were listening to it like, well, maybe we should throw on something else because it's just yeah, it's, <laughs> no, guys. It's a double disc. It's we're on side on B. A- like, <laughs> no, listen, they, he skips uh, four bars here before that. Uh, that's that synth solo sometimes comes in. You, like, I love Carpenter's scores, but sometimes I feel like he's like leaned on a key with his elbow and he's like yeah. thinking about something. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should probably, probably noodle around here a little bit. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he's the master. So. Oh, my God. The Escape from New York soundtrack, hands down, is just so yeah. good. Just so good. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, that's, that's an album I'll just put on just to get pumped. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I've got it in my truck. Um, <laughs> uh, let's get back to the okay. task at hand. So our brand guess, new segment yeah. is called Ryan. Do you want to tell us what it's called? You named it. Sure, sure. It's called Scored to Death. All right. Yeah, Ryan's Hell better yeah. at puns than we are. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So I have been working on a fun little uh, uh, ten question okay. trivia. Um, we're going to do it, uh, I guess you could call it buzz-in mm-hmm. style. I've got 10 clips, each are 20 seconds long. If um, you think you know the answer, just say yeah. your name. You know, shout it out. Whoever gets their name out first, I'll pause the clip. They get a chance to guess. If they're right, they get the point. If they're wrong, resume the clip. The other one gets to uh, hear the rest of the clip and right. make their gonna, guess. It's, it's a name-that-tune-inspired kind of... Uh yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So we're gonna start with a we're gonna start with the test one okay. to make sure. Uh, so this one is okay. for no points. Okay. Uh, and here is track number one. Oh. Fuck. Oh, wait, uh, Eric. It's not. Is it All clock, right, Eric. Clockwork Orange? No, no that's that not a is movie. the end credit sequence of Starman. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Also, not a I horror mean, movie, but it's in scary Eric's defense. In its, right. it's on your carpet. Eric's scale, defense, just, that yeah, was just, a little scary. Hey, that was a test round. No points awarded. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually that's one of the few scores that um that uh, Carpenter didn't do. A guy by the name of uh, Jack Nietzsche yeah. did. Oh wow, Very interesting. And also, there is in doing research, I found out there's a 22 episode Starman TV wow. show what? that came out in '86. <laughs> Holy shit! It, the further adventures of Starman we're, and Son. We got to do that for Starman. Who Tower. who <laughs> who was all fuck? <laughs> who was so amped about Starman that they're like, we need to make a show? Well, let me pitch it. It's 15 years later, Starman's still a Starman, and there's a Star Kid. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, I think Eric and I both said beforehand that we're afraid we're really going to show our uh, our weakness here, and we're both going to suck at this. So, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. guys. So, okay, we're doing yeah. ten rounds of progressively harder. Okay. So, oh Jesus. Okay. So 
first few rounds are just going to be you guys, just who can shout faster. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then if all goes according to plan, you're going to be stumped a little bit towards the end. Okay. All um, right. So don't feel too bad. I'm pretty excited about these. I had a lot of fun putting this together. All right. Um, all right. Without further ado, uh, here is clip number one. Eric. Price. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't even know who got that. <laughs> Yeah, the I, delay I just both on want the, the point on that one. Oh, yeah, it's true. Uh, I heard my voice first. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is an honest question. Did Eric? Did you hear me say my name? I did. Like, okay, but you heard it, it after was after you, what I, I had, yeah. Which is funny because it was the it's the opposite experience for me. Oh, really? I had, like, I had fully said price, and then maybe like a quarter of a second later, you said Eric. Well, then why don't we do this? I'll say okay. three, two, one. You guys say what it is. <laughs> And maybe it could be a tie. It's first round. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. And Ready? whoever you Three, hear first. Three, two, one. Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, you guys both get the yeah. point on that one. Let's okay. just call a spade a spade. This is we, the uh, problem with the uh, with the video call. This is going to be okay. a delay. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. Okay, all right, all right. Don't worry. They're going to get harder. I'm going to. Yeah. You guys yeah. get some head scratching. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is uh, track number two. Oh, Eric. All right, Eric. Oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. It's, uh, uh, Return of the Living Dead? Yeah, no, wrong. No. Okay. Price, would uh, you like to hear the rest of the Yeah, I'd like to hear the rest of it. To your clip, um, I'm gonna go with Dawn of the Dead. Nope, not Dawn of the Dead either. That was the opening credits to The Shining. Ooh. Oh. oh, you know, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I've heard that's good. <laughs> the Shining, <laughs> I've only seen Dr. Sleep. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Dr. I, Sleep, aka 90% The Shining. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the Steven Weber Shining <laughs> mini Oh, that's what it's from. That's what Is that from. it? Oh, well, yeah. I've really fucked up. <laughs> no, uh, that was actually, do you know that it with The Shining, they made the score before they filmed? I didn't no. know that. And they played it, so the little kid, Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance, so uh, Kubrick could play it to freak him out. Oh, Jesus. He nice. thought he wasn't. He, I just. I thought that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I bet that kid had a blast. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I know. Okay. All right. You guys ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. All right. Here comes track number three. Eric. All right. Eric. Dawn of the Dead. Correct. I mean, you were supposed to get that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was dumb of me to guess Dawn of the Dead before, because I'm like, Eric would recognize Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, that's a good track. Yeah, Goblin. you got to love it. All right. All right, ready for track number four? Yeah. All right, here comes track number four. Is it Assault on Precinct 13? It is not Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, I don't believe I need to hear anymore. Is it The Thing? That is correct. It is The Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Carpenter, 
Maybe sometimes he tends to sound like himself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I will mention this, and if you want to move it to the top of the game, you're welcome mm. to. So, guys, just so you know, all ten tracks, these mm. are all horror movies, 100% horror movies. Okay. If it was something that was like They Live, which you could get drunk and talk for two hours about whether it was sci-fi or mm. horror, I just didn't use it. Okay, so these okay. are all 100%, especially now that we're past Starman yeah. horror movies. <laughs> Good to know. Okay, I believe we're on to track number five. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Price. Mike Price. Us. That is correct. Oh, right. oh a dark horse. Yeah. yeah. I got five on it. That's the I Got Five on It Tethered Mix. Oh, shit. Yes. Okay. From uh, uh, Lunas. Yeah. I fucking love that song when it came Dude, out. Dude, that, <laughs> that song is solid. Yeah. 1995, baby. Shout out, though, to um, Minnie Ripperton who did the rest of the score for that movie. Good. I feel like I'm winning, right? Mike, you're three. <laughs> Eric, two. With three right. to two right All now. All right. Suck it, Gaslin. <laughs> okay, you guys ready? Here comes number six. Y'all ready? Yeah. In the Mouth of Madness? It is not In the Mouth of Madness. Price, there's two more seconds on that clip. You want to hear it? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lot of help, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, wow. I don't think that's anything I've watched recently. I could be wrong. Um, I'm getting like a late 80s feel from it. It feels it feels like 89 to me. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, I don't know. I'll go with um, fuck it. Dolls. That's my guess. Ooh, that's a great movie, but that is not what that was. That was that was Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, oh fuck! We just watched it with the sound off. We well, have. Yeah, we were both <laughs> muted. <laughs> that's not some real serial killer shit, there. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> you know what really takes yeah, me I just out want of the visuals. Is the talking. <laughs> We were on a friend's call, a group yeah. call. It was on in the background. Yeah. So get this. So Cannibal Holocaust score was done by Riz Ortolani. He's an Italian composer, did spaghetti westerns, and over 200 film scores, mm. nominated for an Oscar, won a Grammy for Mando Cane, or Khan, wow. however you say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, he did He did the score stem to stern for Cannibal Holocaust. Wow. Huh. That track, okay. I believe, is called, like, like, Desecrated woman, or something. Oh, like Jesus that. Christ. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I love that Cannibal Holocaust is like the the thematic through line of our podcast. Now. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. God, I, I, I saw that in theaters once, and it wasn't what was happening is on screen. It was what was happening in the theater that really upset me. Mm. People were just, they were getting sick. Really? In the audience. 
people who are just like, oh, I'm going to go to Coolidge Corner and see a movie called Hannibal Holocaust. That's pretty cool, right? Hannibal Holocaust. <laughs> see, they, yeah. they didn't even know what they were getting into. Yeah. It's a good wrestler name. <laughs> Hannibal Holocaust. I love that. Okay, all right. Back yeah. to it. All right. All right. Now we're getting into the deep cuts. These are going to okay. get harder? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Okay, all right. Ready, guys? Here comes mm-hmm. number seven. This is dope, whatever it is. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take Definitely. a guess, which is... Do you want to say your name? Eric. Eric. Unless, Bob Price, did you have a guess that you want... No, I'm going to buzz in for Eric also. Okay. <laughs> I got a, a Stuart Gordon vibe to it, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong. Bri- uh, Reanimator? Oh, Jesus. Not Reanimator, no. Fuck. I mean, also, the score to Reanimator is just the score from Psych. <laughs> Is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I've re- I've seen it recently too, but yeah. Hey, well, uh, Price, any guesses? God damn it. Um, Life Force. Ooh, that's a good one. And actually, it kind of vibes along that lines. It's um, that's the score to It Follows. Oh wow! Oh. You know, oh. I gotta I gotta get the my head track that I gave you a copy of signed. Yeah, no, I, I you're fucking right. Um, and I've listened to it. I've got to get my head out of the '80s. That's yeah. I'm stuck in like the '80s, '90s. Yeah. Well, that's Sorry, supposed I, I really to sound like the 80s. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Big spam. Okay. Yeah. I tried not to just be like, all right, name these John Carpenter movies. <laughs> yeah, um, and that, it, I have to get away from John Carpenter also. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, watch the I, next I am, ones. Another I am Carpenter. presenting a like history of synthwave is what I feel like. <laughs> I that, love it. This is in, expertly curated. That it follows soundtrack. Oh, I'm glad it's you like awesome. it, Mike. Yeah. You'd be you would be embarrassed by the amount of R and D and testing I did. <laughs> <laughs> There is nothing like my wife at 7.30 a.m. saying, fine, I will listen to the clips. <laughs> now, yeah. yes. Okay. Um, well, we appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Here comes number eight with a bullet. Price. Mike Price. Uh Killer Clowns from Outer Space? Ah, uh, no, it is not. All right. All right, um, Eric, you've got 14 more I know, seconds. I know what it is, then. Uh, Eric? You sure? You want six more seconds of clip? <laughs> I think it. No. It is not it Jeez. either. Can I guess? Can I guess again? I, I, you're not going to no get points. points, but definitely yeah. guess. Is it The Fun House? Oh, no, it is not. These all are right. all... On point guesses. Okay. Um, but this is the carousel theme from The Lost Boys. Holy oh, shit. Oh, wow. Uh, man. She's pathetic showing from the two of us. Okay, going into uh, I mean, the 99 score, still 3 to 2. <laughs> <laughs> More pathetic harder. showing from Mary. <laughs> I kind of just feel like I should just start. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. Here is number nine. You guys ready? Here we go. Eric. 
What do you got, Eric? Is this Assault on Precinct 13? It is not. God no. damn it! God damn it! I, 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 got 15 that was the one that I remember it. hearing over and over again while playing beer pong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I mean, okay. If it's not Carpenter, it's someone trying so hard to sound like Carpenter. That is correct. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Prince of Darkness. Oh, not Prince of Darkness. No. Wait, before you give an answer, can I guess one more time? You can, but let me throw you off by okay. saying it was a movie that came out in the 2000s. Wow. The Guest? is not the guest. No. It's a good guess. Any other guesses? No. I mean, I feel like I, you've been very smart about thematically tying these back to our podcast. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. What is it? Uh, this one is Beyond the Black Rainbow. Oh, shit. Oh, oh wow. Shit. That's hard. Okay. Yeah, I don't feel hard. bad. I don't feel bad that at one, all. That one, that, that, so fun little fact about that, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, they never released a score. And then when Death Waltz did the score, it's all inspired by tracks. Oh, interesting. Ah. Yeah. And um, So this is extra tricky. And or the project Sinoid Caves, I believe that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah. They leaked the original tracks. Or Sinaloa hmm. Caves or something like that. So, so, I, I've... It's S-I-N-O-I-A. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're thinking of the Sinaloa Cartel. Cartel, yeah. 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 But that's, yeah that's a good one. Okay. This is right. it, right? Now, okay, this is round 10. This is a hard one. Um, <laughs> so if you want to, or what I'm going to say is, you guess if you want to, but I've got two separate stings from the movie. Okay. Two 20-second clips that I will okay. play separately. Okay, okay. So if you, you take, you've got 40 seconds to figure this one out. I'll take a pause in the middle. All right, here comes the first one. Okay. Okay, so that was the first one. You guys want to hear the second one? Yeah. Yeah. Here comes the second one. Yeah, I know. That was this was supposed to be the extremely dumbly hard round. Shit, <laughs> it is. <sighs> so part of my answers are also knowing Ryan. So <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's that's you've got to go with that. Uh, Came out while we were in college. Okay. That oh, that's a big help. I'm fifty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sorry, came out between 2001 and 2005. Session 9? Oh, amazing guess. Uh, No, not Session 9. Fuck. I have no idea. I don't even have a good guess. I I concede. I mean, now that I've secured my win, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is true. Uh, that was some selected stings from 28 days later. Oh, fuck. fuck. That so, was the tunnel chase. Because it uh-huh. did sound familiar. God damn it. Yep. yep right. Yep. The guitar, especially the electric guitar on the first one. And mm-hmm. I feel like you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you deliberately did not use what is essentially the central theme of that film. Not for round 10. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Yep. Fuck. Well, well good I love work. That movie too. All right, we got guys. half of them between the two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Right. Just for fun, and you can cut it out if you want to. You want to hear the two tiebreakers? Yeah, sure. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Here's tiebreaker number one. Let's play no along. If, I mean, we, they won't count for points, but let's still play. If, oh, if yeah, yeah, can. definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, here's tiebreaker number one. I have no idea. Price, any guess? Um, no, I. <sighs> Fuck. I do oh, not. I thought no, you guys would I get that one. Guess. That was Hauzu. Theme from Hauzu. Oh. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's funny that you thought. <laughs> oh, I just assumed everyone would get Hauzu. <laughs> Everybody knows the score yeah. of an obscure <laughs> Japanese horror movie, right? I, yeah, I mean, I've here. seen yeah. it. I can now, say that much. Is, I actually yeah. had a second tiebreaker because I was worried that one was too hard and I was going to preface it with this is from a movie that's already been mentioned in this quiz okay so here's tiebreaker number two Is this in the Mouth of Madness? Well, I'm going to save you again. It's it's a movie that was already a correct answer. Oh. Oh. Mm. Jesus. Already a correct answer. <laughs> You're making us look like fools. I don't even remember however fools. you want. This could be a five-round thing. Just cut the numbers out. No, 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 no. no. no uh, we're leaving it in. We're, we're going to show our faults <laughs> yeah. here. Uh, we never claimed mm-hmm. to be... Geniuses. <laughs> uh, oh shit! What uh, us? No, that was uh, Price. Any guesses? Um, I now I'm just trying to remember what yeah, our same. correct answers were. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Know. Gotcha. That was uh, from The Shining. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ! The fucking Shining. When um, what's her yeah. name? Shelley Duvall. When she looks into the ballroom and sees all the skeletons. Mm-hmm. It's ah. it's mind numbing. Wow. Should have played the clip from when that guy's getting blown by the <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just, or described it. So, real quick, guys. All right, that was 10 rounds. We had a great time. Uh, mm-hmm. Score, uh, Eric got two right. <laughs> Mike, you got three right. Mike, you're the winner this time around. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Galaxy now, brain. you've beaten Eric Goslin, but would you like to go for the Grandmaster Score title? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, clearly I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna nail it. All right, Mike Price, are you ready? I am ready. Here we go for Grandmaster status. 
What movie is this sting from? This is great. It's so hard. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with... Uh... Eric, you've got a knowing Fuck. look on your face. Do you think you know what it is? No, no. I, I, I'm just really scouring my brain. If, if you were here, you would <laughs> smell smoke. Like, oh, I love it. I'm going to do like... It's like... Uh, what, what's the... Uh, Texas guess? Chainsaw Massacre 2. Ah, that is incorrect, Mike. That's my guess. All right, Mike, you won this week. You bested okay. Eric, but there, no one holds the Grandmaster uh-huh. title at the moment. Um, but we are also not going to reveal what that sting was. Uh, for your listeners at home, if anybody has a guess as to what it is, uh, please uh, send it over to Mike and Eric at uh, Killstreak. Yeah, if you guys are hungry to to take that grandmaster crown uh email us at killstreakpod at gmail.com if you know what that was from uh and no cheating you can't yeah. use shazam you know honestly i i would i would love to see what shazam says that. <laughs> you don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> all right try using shazam uh, just give it a go uh, this was awesome. Yeah, Ryan, I had a thank fantastic you so much time. for putting this fantastic. together. And Anytime thank you, you for coming on. Aboard, I'm happy, uh, happy to play along. And we will for sure have you aboard because you are the game master. All right. After all. Hey, you know what? You know, me, Jigsaw, yeah. Yeah, Hellraiser, right. we just hang out and talk about, you know, those little <laughs> things you can get at uh, bookstores, you know, the little uh, stupid I mean, <laughs> Technically, it's, Hell- it's Hellraiser's monster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Look, man, I'll spell Frankenstein yeah. however I want. All right. Well, that was so much fun, and that is going to do it for this week's episode of Killstreak. Uh, again, that email is killstreakpod at gmail.com, or if you guys want to send us a voicemail that we might listen to on a future episode, you can do that through our website at anchor.fm slash killstreak. And next time, we will be covering Friday the 13th Part 2, which we mentioned earlier. You guys can watch on Amazon Prime. And, as always, that place has a death curse.